The men are heroes, the ladies are whores, and the old hags like me get to watch everyone they love die. Hello and welcome listeners to Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host for today, Lee Howard, and this episode is dedicated to our most recent playlist selected title, and that is, of course, The Wolf Among Us, developed and published by Telltale Games, based on the Fables comic book series by Bill Willingham. I'm joined on this neon-lit, fantastical crime adventure into the shadowy and illicit underbelly of a corrupted 80s New York, in which the characters of fairy tales and folklore are made flesh and live undetected among us Mondays by my pack of LGR teammates... Kevin Moore, Mark Hamer, Andy P, Stuart Cullen, The Fury, and the aptly named Ali Cornwolf Cornwall. Greetings, my fellow Bigby Wolves. Together, let us attempt to solve the mystery at the rotting heart of Fable Town. I'll blow your house down. <laughs> oh, about husky than the <laughs> You can say hello as well. Oh, yeah, oh. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. All right. Hello. In past playlist shows, we've had in-depth discussions on a number of titles ranging from the first three acts of Kentucky Route Zero, which, of course, the fourth one uh, has arrived very recently. Yay. Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, Call of Juarez, Gunslinger, Counter Spy, Grim Fandango Remastered, and most recently, Uncharted Golden Abyss. Similar to those shows, we're going to share our thoughts and experiences of playing through The Wolf Among Us, and we warn listeners up front that we will be revealing key plot details and pivotal events in the game. So if you haven't played the game to its conclusion, and you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening, go and play the game first, and uh, you know this podcast episode will be there waiting for you. When you've done so, it's well worth it. So that is your obligatory spoiler warning. So I thought we'd begin by sharing a few general details about Telltale Games, the studio, and then briefly summarise what The Wolf Among Us is about. That being done, we can proceed to sharing our thoughts and experiences of playing the game, framing that discussion around the five episodes that comprise The Wolf Among Us. So Kev, would you like to get us going? Telltale Games were founded in 2004 with personnel from LucasArts, the maker of point-and-click adventures such as Sam and Max and Monkey Island on their books. Unlike LucasArts, Telltale's focus moved on to the modernised narrative adventure games which favour investigation and conversation at the heart of their gameplay. Telltale have really pioneered this move towards a business model specialising in episodic gaming, crafting original adventure games which are based on popular licensed properties, along with the comic book adaptations uh, The Walking Dead, both Season 1 and Season 2, and The Wolf Among Us, and the imminent Batman game, Telltale are well known for games inspired by films and TV such as Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, and Game of Thrones, as well as spin-offs from existing video games like their Tales from the Borderlands game, or recently Minecraft Story Mode. The Wolf Among Us had been announced as early as 2011 by Telltale, but the game was repeatedly delayed partly due to the success of The Walking Dead. However, when it arrived in the autumn of 2013, it managed to strike many people as a fresh and bold departure from its popular and critically acclaimed zombie apocalypse predecessor. Like The Walking Dead, Telltale utilised an existing comic book for inspiration in creating the original series. In this case, the distinctive but arguably less well-known comic book Fables by Bill and Willingham and published by DC Comics Vertigo Imprint, which began in 2002. 
The Wolf Among Us is regarded as canon with the Fables universe in that it acts as a prequel set 20 years before the events chronicled in the comic books. If you've ever played a Telltale game, you'll know your way around this one. It uses the staple engine, staple mechanics and staple gameplay, focusing mainly on story and the narrative driven by that story, not so much in the gameplay. So it's as janky as every other (laughs) Telltale game (laughs) has ever been. Um, But that's not a downside. Um... It's a great story, but we'll get to that later. You play as the standard uh, protagonist going through, doing your bit in pieces, doing conversations, and in this you play as Big B Wolf, or the sheriff in the lonely town, shall we say, in Fablestown. Um, an unloved, unwanted, and sometimes hated position, um, but definitely one you'll, you'll grow to enjoy. Having had to flee their mythical homeland at the hands of the adversary, these fairy tale characters, known as fables, try to eke out an ordinary existence alongside the human populace. Their more fantastical true identities obscured by magical spells called glamours. Those that can't disguise themselves are exiled to the farm upstate. However, the fate of the fables is brought into danger after Bigby finds himself investigating a mysterious homicide surrounded in corruption and vice as he uncovers a deeping divide among the community of Fable Town. If you can't afford to look human, you're going to the farm. It's as simple as that. You can't send me up to live with those animals. Okay, let's now focus in on some more specifics of the game itself. The Wolf Among Us was programmed by Keenan Patterson in collaboration with a number of designers, produced by Chris, I'm going to pronounce it, Schroyer. Uh, and it's a game, of course, spread across five episodes. It was originally released in late 2013, with episode one hitting multiple platforms digitally. Episode two followed in February 2014. Three came in April 14, four in late May, early June. I think there was a slight delay on the PS3 uh, release of that episode. And it culminated with episode five in July of 2014. I first played the game myself on PS3 after all the episodes had come out, if memory serves, and then uh, used the PS Vita release that came out um, later on that year to do this playthrough for this episode. Uh, So we've played through it twice now. And then a physical release, I think, came to a lot of the platforms, including Xbox One and PS4, in November 2014. So I think today it's been on like Android, iOS, Microsoft Windows, OS X, PlayStation 3 and 4, Vita 360, and Xbox One. Uh, did anyone else? Has anyone else? I know Mark. I think was new to it for the playlist and Kev possibly. But did anyone else play this when it first came out? I played the first episode when it became free, as is the way with every Telltale game. Um, <laughs> I played the first episode when it came free, and then I was going to buy it, but then I got the actual retail version. Uh, no, last Christmas. Yeah, last Christmas I got again uh, the the game uh, as a present, so I played it as part of my year of shame. And God, did I love it. <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat as uh, the other guys, that it was the first episode that I was on with Mark, and he mentioned that you were doing it for a playlist, and invited me to it and I think uh, earlier this year, year it was free on uh, Xbox yes, One that's uh, right. Games Gold. Yeah. Um, and it's just been sat in my list of ever growing games that I've not played um, and uh, yeah set to it and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah it's proved a popular one because I think this is the most hosts we've had on a single <laughs> playlist episode. <laughs> Andy well, I, I suspect you played this back in the day and completed it multiple times. No. Nope. Surprisingly enough, I got it for cheap. 
Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> that's not surprising. Um, and I only played it for this uh, playlist, really. Um, really? Yeah. I played this in January this year, and mm. then we decided that we were going to do it as a playlist afterwards. That's when I thought, oh, I'll go back and do it again. Today again, if you missed it, a record for the date. Hottest ever in June, uh, 103 now, and that humidity looks low. But remember, the hotter the air is, the more moisture it can hold. So 103 with 31% humidity is a lot more humid than, say, 73 with 31% humidity. And it is muggy out there. So, as Stuart said, we've started off with Big B Wolf. He's the big bad sheriff, and it's based in 1980s New York City. Although it's like a ghetto that's within that city called Fabletown. He receives a call from Mr. Toad, and Bigby manages to save a young prostitute from a pissed-up woodman, and he escorts her to safety. Before she departs, she tells him he's not as bad as everyone says he is. Ah, I beg to differ. Later that night, Bigby is shocked to find the woman's head left on the woodman's doorstep. Clues left with the head identify her as Faith, another fable. Deputy Mayor Ichabod Crane orders him and Snow White to investigate her death. They head to the apartment she shared with the husband, Prince Lawrence, and find the Tweedles, Dee and Dumb, snooping through it. They learn from Lawrence that they struggle to make ends meet, and Faith took up prostitution to help pay the bills. Bigby leaves Snow at the woodlands while he continues to trace leads. When he returns, he finds the woodlands surrounded by police, Snow's head sitting on his building steps. <gasps> da, da, da. That definitely was a shot for the first episode. Amazing. Because like, that's like your double whammy, the two people that kind of semi seem to be kind of like nice to you as the as your character just gone <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean the thing was yeah I was, I was thinking well faith seems all right you know i'm, I'm quite liking her um you know this, this looks like it's going somewhere <laughs> then about 10 minutes later she's dead and uh, obviously the first episodes where you just get your first kind of feel for the game that you know the music the art style and mm. just the kind of tone of it and i, I can remember being really sort of taking it back and finding Toad like so funny like just like how foul mouthed he is and just sort of because I hadn't I hadn't had any history with the yeah. um, Fables comics before I'd played the game so yeah I, I, it took me a little while to kind of get my head around it but then I don't know it, it, what amazed me is that very quickly into the game you kind of it still has that magic that you know it's still brilliant and feels like really innovative and fresh but you actually just take them as real people like I ended up just investing in them as real characters and I, I guess that whole veneer the fact that you know their backstory from fairy tales is just a really quick clever shorthand for their yeah. kind of characterizations. yeah I like to, I like to call him the pig yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know just, just a small yeah, call him the pig, minor yeah. character you know but that, that gets you really into the idea and gives you the backstory straight away practically you know because you've got this pig there that's just homeless now <laughs> and you think oh yeah of course you'll have been the straw pig then <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i didn't know anything about the game when i picked it up and and turned it on so it was it, it drew me straight into the game with all the uh, the fable characters in it and different things like that and i was like what's going on and the the language is quite mm. fruitful not that it bothers me and, and especially with the the violence of it as well with having someone's head at the end of the episode mm-hmm. and it, it drew me in quite quickly that it's got these these characters that you grew up as children, obviously, albeit in a glamour uh, mm. appearance. Um, but yeah, it was it was really good. And and the fact for me, uh, and this goes through the whole thing that I was actually sat ninety percent of the game sat with my wife playing it, and she was helping with some of the decisions as well. Um, so it's quite nice that they don't necessarily have to play, but they can help you decide things. Whether you actually click that button or not is up to you. But uh, it was quite nice that you could just sit down together and 
do the decisions mm. together, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's got that really accessible um, genre sheen of like just being a crime mystery, like a murder mystery. So although it's like really bizarre in terms of the setting yeah. and the, the roster of characters, I think there's like a real familiar, familiarity. Like far, I felt far more able immediately to kind of navigate around the story than I did for The Walking Dead. I mean, a game that I thought was brilliant and I think, you know, the only, possibly the only Telltale game or the, certainly the more the only kind of recent one I'd played before this game. But I, I kind of instinctively, I think, warmed to this far quicker and I actually prefer this of the two. Yeah, yeah. And I think you seem to sympathise a little bit with, with Big B uh, in this game as well. Um, whereas the uh, the Hunters uh, seems to be a bit more of a, a bastard <laughs> in this. Um, and you, you seem to feel a bit more sorry for Big B the Wolves. Mm. Um, See, I, I kind of felt a bit sorry for the woodsman as well because he just comes across as being a very sad, rather lonely character. Mm. Yeah, they, you're right. They deconstruct that whole idea that he was like the hero of the Red Riding fairy yeah. tale, don't they? In that kind of bar now he's just drunk. It's mere a fallen hero, is it? No, but you know what I mean. That he's in the gutter and stuff. You know what I mean, he's lost that sheen that he once had, and he's out doing whatever he wants to hookers and stuff you know what I mean it's yeah. that kind of as, as other characters in the game come in it's like some of them try to pretend they're still of hierarchy and stuff I felt yeah. mm-hmm. whereas other ones who were maybe not in royal lineage or something like that yes. they, they've yeah. kind of more a case of just just went out of the hell with it we're stuck here and I might as well just I, I can't die you know what I mean I think that's a big thing as well I think the fact that the early in the game after giving seven bells of shit out of the woodsman you realise you can put an axe through his skull he ain't gonna die <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I think that's that's a really that. that's a really the only way obviously the, the only way you can kill them is by chopping their heads off and stuff you know um, mm. I think that's really well shown as well in the first mm. episode you know there's a, there's a lot that they actually pour in straight away without you even noticing you know it's very subtle in the way that it introduces you to all these plot mechanics very early and yeah. you're just quite happily watching what is basically a film noir yeah mm. and, the, and the rules of that universe like you say yeah you just kind of like take them as presented because it's it works mm. in terms of the, you know the, the narrative and you can kind of pick up on what it is uh, you know trying to convey no it's just really tight isn't it i think the first mm. couple of episodes felt very tight and mm. really well handled the narrative and that kind of drip feed of information and then w- without skipping ahead it kind of shifts from being a murder mystery to something a little bit more yeah broader yeah it's that contrast between you know us kids i'm sure we all listen to all these fables and all that you know the watched all the disney films with you know prince getting the princess and little red rider had been rescued and everything and all of a sudden you got these characters which is completely turned on its head and it's quite grim dark um we're in new york it's the ghetto it's introducing sort of Almost like concentration camps type of situations. Yeah, yeah it's got a, an adult kind of yeah. real life twist to to what we were yeah. used to. That's that's something I noticed right from the off. Um, is that like the, the Fables comic book series? There's, despite there being you know a, a decent amount of humour in it here and there, it takes the premise of what is a ridiculous scenario. It takes it completely seriously. Um, it doesn't play it for laughs, really. It's not wacky, despite mm. the fact that it is It is a ridiculous premise. Um, mm. But it plays it completely seriously, which is what you need for a sort of like a film noir sort of story. If, if it was, you know, wacky or 
a bit too comical and it just wouldn't work at all. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, And I think, like you say, right at the very start when you go to see Toad and it introduces you straight away to the idea of why aren't you got your glamour on and stuff and you can't afford it and it, it gets you straight into those those plot lines that there is poverty. Yeah, there's like haves and have-nots. Yeah, well, Colin the pig yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. and the farm. And it's also the, the, yeah. the over-archy, the, the farm. The, farm, the yeah. farms are a really interesting Ooh. thing because you never actually see the farm, but it's basically like... It's always if, threatened, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, and other characters can get sent there and stuff, and it's like, if you're not in glamour, you're getting sent to the farm because Joe Blogs in the street ain't going to see you walking about and stuff, you know? And it's quite an interesting thing because it's kind of like, Fable's prison in a kind of sense mm. but then you wonder who's on the farm and then you wonder what other characters they would have sent because obviously certain other characters aren't they quite farm animals yeah yeah because I think the, the the premise behind the farm kind of is the fact that you've got the the characters that physically can't get a glamour because they don't have appendages and stuff so like a pig um, or it seems like people that yeah. can't afford to stay mm. there, or they don't want to stay in mm. the real world. Like I think Mark might have put it as like the haves and the have-nots, and yeah. you know that whole kind of class rivalry within their own kind of like remote um, society. Yeah, no, it is, it is really interesting. Also, without really kind of knowing what the farm is, because you don't see it, like you said, you still kind of hesitate to just send, you know. Um, Colin up there even though your history is a rivalry and kind of mm. like similar in a sense that like Toad is in a way sort of risking all of Fabletown being discovered and Bigby's forever berating him to get glamoured but he's still kind of I don't know me personally we'll get on to obviously our individual choices that we might have made in a second but I, I felt like I was hesitating to like just kick him up to the farm uh, somehow I was like sending them off and I wasn't sure if they'd ever be coming back yeah <laughs> well you say they have and have nots but even the haves are having trouble keeping it up because you've yeah. got Lawrence Lawrence and Faith for instance oh, hey. they're actually back on the heels aren't they they're, you know Faith's actually gone to prostitution just to keep up the glamour yes you know, so yeah. um, you can yeah. see that this whole system is broken straight away you think my job is easy you try keeping a bunch of fables from killing each other. How do you think this all works? I don't know. How? By being big and being bad. Don't say that shit in front of people. It's embarrassing. So we're quickly going to run through all the decisions that we made at the end of uh, each episode. You get a breakdown throughout the game. You make certain decisions which actually tailor the game uh, to you and how everything will pan out for you. Um, at the time of making our notes here, uh, we've taken this off the Fables Wiki, um, but these percentages will change slightly the more people that play the game. So the first decision we had to make, gentlemen, is uh, did you give Faith your money? No. Uh, so 15 point. Four percent did not give her the money, which is Kev. Typical Doncaster lad. You tight bastard. Look, she's a prostitute. She's already got plenty of money. Well, exactly. That's why I was so ready to grease her palms. Hey, do remember she is a prostitute. And then the rest of us, which goes with eight four point six percent, did give her the money. Because obviously we thought she needed it. Ah, losers. She didn't, get, she didn't get paid for a job. <laughs> it was an investment. <laughs> yeah. uh, moving on. Uh, did you tell Beast the truth about Beauty? So there's a little conflict during the game. Um, and you have a conversation with Beauty. Uh, and then you see Beast later on. And it's whether you decide to tell him. Uh, so myself and Lee. And 
uh, 22.1%, sorry, uh, tried to stay out of it. So we just said, we don't know. Of course, yeah. you know, that's what you do. Like, if you ever see a domestic, stay well clear. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, none of us um, decided to tell Beast the truth, which is 14.9%. Uh, uh, none of us remained silent, uh, so just let the door slam in his face. Um, and Andy, Mark and Kev, uh, they all lied to Beast, uh, which went with 59.6%. Well, no, oh. you just... You just never know when you might yeah. need leverage. Yeah, pretty fierce. You know, she asked me to lie. <laughs> See, protecting the ladies already, you know, there's a trend. <laughs> During the game again, we had to decide on two places uh, to go uh, right at the very start of the game. So it was whether you went to uh, Toad's apartment um, or you went to Prince Lawrence's apartment. Um, so uh, myself, Lee, Andy and Mark all went to Toad's apartment first, which is along with 69.4% of the community. Um, and Prince Lawrence's apartment was 30.6. So I think majority yeah. of us all went there uh, to the Toad's apartment. See, that's 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 one of the choices that did my nothing, because I went to their apartment first. Because in my head, I had it that if you didn't go there first, yeah. he would have died. Yeah. I don't know why, but hmm. I think uh, uh, it's weird. Yeah, that, I think that's right, isn't it? I think, because I don't think you can, I'm not sure you can save him. Yeah. If you go to Toads first, I mean, because I've having played it twice, I think I've done both, and I vaguely remember the certain place. You know, the order in which you go to certain places actually, if you don't get access to some of the branching conversations that would have happened, I guess the other way around, so to speak. Because that definitely happens later on in the game as well, doesn't it? That if you don't go to somewhere yeah, first yeah. or even second, then someone may have moved on or. Yeah bled out or whatever did anyone manage to keep Prince Lawrence alive because I don't think I've ever seen that happen no no no, no. I, went, I went to Lawrence's first and uh, I, it was still dead when I got there <laughs> you killed him <laughs> <laughs> or I might have done that I can't remember <laughs> you were still raging about being asked for some money by somebody <laughs> <laughs> it's that affinity to Toad I think that they introduced at the beginning that's why I had to go to see Toad first of all yeah and that's the thing yeah. he's a likeable character yeah uh, so what happened to Prince Lawrence so again as we were just discussing uh, depending on which order you did it um, so we had to either prevent his death um, didn't prevent his death um, or he died by his own hand, and I think most of us did not prevent uh, Lawrence's death. Nope, he did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the next decision from there, you had to uh, dis- start to decide who is your prime suspect uh, for Faith's death. Um, so uh, 4% of the community uh, went with uh, Prince Lawrence. Um, 17% went with the Woodsman, uh, which included myself. Um, you were introduced to... Uh, to this towards the end of this episode uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum um, and 15% of the community went with that uh, Bluebeard uh, depending on which uh, route you took throughout the story you may have introduced to him quite early on uh, and Andy along with 13% of the community uh, went with Bluebeard uh, Georgie again someone else you could have met quite early on in the game uh, was 22% I, d- I think that's people retroactively playing it because I don't even think we've seen Georgie no yet. I think it's another again another dis- so he's just referred made. to no. off like I think he's probably referred to off screen mm. yeah but then obviously people passing. have been playing mm-hmm. for it again and they know well yeah we are doing spoilers they they know that ultimately he, he's you know behind yeah. it in some form yeah. so that's why they've done it yeah. he's a bad lad um, and then 29% said mm. nothing to snow at all uh, which was Leah Mark they kept their lips sealed yeah so Mark did you yeah did you say nothing because 
um, you just were absentmindedly making a cup of tea and you let the timer slow down, like run out? Or did you <laughs> did you feel like you didn't know yet? Like you didn't you hadn't been given enough information yet? I didn't think it was in Bigby's uh, character to start leveling accusations without having any idea. So, and I had absolutely no idea. So that's why I said yeah. nothing. No, it's interesting. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like you felt that it wasn't the right time to kind of confide in Snow. Um, although mm. I think you know the game is trying to make us read between the lines that there's obviously some kind of history between them. You don't. I don't. I didn't at that stage that early on get a feeling that she was one hundred percent gonna see eye to eye with me. So I think that's probably why I thought. Yes, you don't know. <laughs> oh, it's weird, isn't it? Because you've got 4% didn't go for Prince Lawrence. And yet, if it's a real murder, suicide thing, you, then it's usually the partner or yes. somebody that's very close to the victim that's the the killer. You're right. You, you're the only real detective here, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be quickly worth mentioning now to anybody that's not played a Telltale game, um, that when you're making your decisions, there is a timer on not all of the decisions but quite a lot of the decisions you have x amount of time and sometimes that goes quicker than others um so myself i have actually not been paying attention and you're like oh and it either you say nothing or it does something <laughs> automatically for you and um, so it is something to to bear in mind and watch out for that so you play it very stoically then uh, well i try to pay attention but sometimes my mind wanders, wanders elsewhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there's definitely because obviously i imagine we've all played it in the last week or so you know trying to get it finished in time there's definitely that kind of lull between maybe I don't know if it's episodes three or four but there was definitely a period of time where I thought I'm just walking around talking to people endlessly and I think I ended up looking off the screen and letting it count down um, occasionally but sometimes that as I say throws up other things other animations that they've done or other kind of lines Mm. of dialogue in particular actually I don't know if people played this with the subtitles on or not but because like Stuart alluded to the fact that the Telltale tool engine is really kind of stuttery and um, Mm -hmm. you know really kind of showing its age occasionally you you, unless you had the subtitles on you wouldn't actually be aware that things were being said like so there's the actual dialogue of the game as it's scripted seems to be longer than the actual sound recordings a lot of the time but that might mm. just be the vita having showing some of those flaws in the engine uh worse than like, i don't know if you were playing it on pc i guess i don't know the ps3 is pretty jittery yeah uh, yeah and the xbox mm. one and the ps4 it's a load of jank <laughs> once i had to restart the game completely because it went funny it's broke um, and a couple of times it just goes nuts <laughs> it's just the engine itself isn't it yeah it's the wee engine that could make 15 games more to come, Batman, chugga, chugga, chugga. <laughs> oh Walking Dead season three, chugga, chugga, chugga. <laughs> Squeeze that lemon, Ma. I'm sure it's something that we'll come back to yes, as well, yeah. but you think after all these years um, and the amount of financial success that Telltale have had, they would have invested some time and money in their yeah. engine, but yeah. they just don't. But it's about the story. Every single new game that comes out, it's got it's full of jank. It's not about the game; it's about the story. It's the journey. Yeah. Not the- nice to have a smooth <laughs> game. No, no, I, like the the storytelling is great, mm. uh, but I just wish the experience was a little bit smoother sometimes. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, I mean, it's like um, you can't imagine like a great visual stylist, like I don't know Ridley Scott or somebody, wanting to then go to like a theatre and then they then be like projecting the film incorrectly. I just, it's really weird that they've obviously taken all Mm. this time to write it, you know, to bring the art to life in this beautiful way. Surely you'd want to showcase it in something that was really slick, you know, that kind of matched that creativity rather than this sort of 
well, half broken, I think, because um, didn't is it Andy Palmer, one of our listeners, that we uh, gift coded yeah. the a code for the game to? He tried to play it on Mac, and he literally said he couldn't finish it. Like I think he wanted to, you know, contribute to this episode, but he just it kept booting him back to the uh, desktop after every ten minutes. Sweet, you get for playing games on Mac, I see. <laughs> no. I don't think I, 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 maybe we should have talked about this at the end but um, I don't think it's as bad as other Telltale games there's Walking Dead there's a notorious one that happened to me was a character was dying and it was in somebody's arms but there was it wasn't there so there was just a person <laughs> holding their arms out and it's like where's the character I've seen stuff like that arms out. it's like oh nobody died it's great <laughs> But yeah, and then two minutes later, you look back and there's a dead body sitting there on the ground. Oh, it's grim. It's grim, that is. Um, but yeah, it's it's janky at times. So finally, right at the end of the episode, you get a decision, as you do in most episodes, um, to make a, a two-way decision, which will determine what happens in the next episode. Uh, and it's, who did you arrest? And 68.5%, uh, including Lee and myself, uh, arrested Tweedledee. And 31.5% uh, arrested the Woodsman, which was uh, Andy and Mark. As a little extra, uh, during the fight uh, in this bar, uh, you could rip off uh, Grendel's arm. And um, I certainly did, and Kev did as well. Uh, and Andy didn't. So there's a little fight and you could choose to rip off his arm or not. Yeah, I did it both ways. And I think that's that's that that's really... Um one of the strong I mean I don't know why it's not included as one of the key choices for the episode because I think that that's done in quite a subtle and clever way because of course in an obvious sense you're going to see that character for the rest of the game either with a missing a limb or not but um, even if you like for example in this playthrough I didn't rip his arm off but there were scenes where Gren was talking to Big B and he actually started to rub his arm like to rub his shoulder um, so I know it obviously referenced back to the fight, but it also reminded me of you know the fact that I've played it differently this time. Uh, so whether mm. that was intentional or not, I really enjoyed those kind of echoes across the two different ways that you're playing through the That's game. That's a pivotal achievement on what one is the arm ripping off. I remember that one well because um, yeah. if you represent off, you get a fable if you don't represent them if you get a fable you need to go back and do it anyway regardless to get a fable <laughs> so that's that's I think there's two pivotal points in every episode uh, for achievements yes. Um, yes that is one that comes to mind quite, <laughs> uh, quite vigorously I mean I try to play it as because Big B has been changed because you never get the true history but it seems that fable times have existed for a fair few years and we're still don't trust Big B we're still reverting back to what happened when he was a big bad wolf and he's been sheriff for years. And the sort of game sort of tries to encourage you to play Big B as a mm. changed man. So when it came to that choice of either ripping Grendel's armour off or not, I said, nah, I can't be bothered with that. Yeah, that's a really also, good point. Yeah, like he's like the mm, anti-hero, isn't he, in a way? It's quite interesting hearing yeah. us talk about it because it's like some of these are embodying, i.e. I'm playing as... Big B, or I'm playing as me as Big B. Yeah. It's really interesting that because you're playing a game where you're fundamentally acting how you imagine a character would act, whereas others yeah. are choosing, like, that's how I would act. No, whatever happens to him happens to him, but it's quite interesting how some of these have went down a route of role playing Big B um, and other ones don't. They just like, yeah, fuck So it. you're trying to say not to get in a bar fight with me and Kev because we might rip your arm off? <laughs> Possibly. Would also, would also, uh, also explain a lot more. And don't expect a tip afterwards either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, violent and stingy. We're not going to clean up after ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, Andy, 
and you were mentioning like that they've been there for a, a while in um, in Fable Town. Um, there is, I, I remember reading. It's not. I, I didn't come across this in the comic books, as far as I've read. But looking up on on, uh, on various Wikipedia's in the lore of fables, they actually fled the homelands and, and established Fable Town at some time oh, right, in the yeah. 16th century. Yes. So they've been right. there for a long time. Well, this is it. So these tensions have been simmering for, like, at the point that the game occurs, like, 400-odd years. <laughs> I'm still pissed off at him. <laughs> God, they held a grudge, don't they? Yeah. No, when you don't yeah. die, you've well, got to uh, do something. They really don't know how to let it lie, do they? Uh, no, yeah, no, you, and of course they're saying, like, um, the, we come in almost at their latest, bleakest chapter because they're saying there hasn't been a murder well, I'm presumably then for decades mm. upon decades, if it's that that long that they mm. go back, um, because that's why everyone's kind of so up in arms, isn't it? It's the first time of somebody's murdered another fable in their community for yeah. you know for, for so long. Mm. Why did you um, arrest Tweedledee, Leonel? Oh, because I fucking hated those. <laughs> Those twins, yeah. and, and I must credit the yeah. voice acting all round is fantastic. Oh, it's so um, good! Particularly as we were saying, I think yeah. like off recording how some particular artists voice multiple characters. But yeah, they they were performed really well because I just fucking detested yeah. both of them. Like so, <laughs> I, it really because you like Stuart was saying, you have to play it slightly differently if you want to get the platinum. It really took a lot of uh, self control not to then without jumping too far ahead, like not to also just. You know, enact punishment on both of them whenever yeah, I got they, the they wound me up throughout. The- <laughs> yeah, you really. I know. Do. I can hear the vehemence in your voice. <laughs> I know exactly where you're coming from, but I, I'm pretty sure I ended up arresting the woodsman for his own safety more than anything else. <laughs> That's very good because I thought you were playing it more as. Um, you know, like I'm the real detective and I'm actually going after who I think the evidence points to rather than like my just no. irrational hatred no, of certain characters. I never seriously considered that the woodsman was the culprit, but for his own safety, I thought he'd probably best off spending some time in a cell uh, for, for just me, to cool down. I <laughs> that the, the Tweedledee and Tweedledum just really pissed me off through the entire thing. Um, and, I, and I saw the oh, woodsman yeah, yeah, as more did, of yeah. a... Uh, an arch rival, a you know, schoolyard bully that's bullied you for years or had a rivalry with, um, and no harm would have come from that, that it's just out to get me no matter what. So I just went with Tweedledee as a um, someone that I think would be have more venom behind them, if you like. And you've already put an axe in that fella's head, haven't you? And I guess in a way Mark's right, because isn't he being... He's almost being framed from the off as the person that yeah. they want to take the fall. Like that, they, they think he's the person that might go and you know, murder someone else. And I guess if you've got him in custody and like the inevitable does happen, um, that's a way also to kind of clear his name. Yeah, well, he had the information and he broke his word to me because he said he wasn't going to run sight to him. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's good actually, like the way that, because it's obviously so much conversation with such a like talky game, but those kind of pressure points, you do, you know, the heart, the, you know, the adrenaline does start pumping and you're like, shit, right, I've got to make this decision really quickly. But like the best Telltale games, you're never really clear of what the best one is. You know, you know that you're going to have to compromise in some way. Mm. And um, yeah, like you say, because they're running, they're fleeing, you've got to make the decision really quickly. I just want to say something briefly about um, Toad while, while we're on the subject, because he reminded me loads of um, Rigsby from Rising <laughs> <Yeah>. Dam. <laughs> well, certainly he didn't give a shit about, what is it, like a boarding house he's running or like a hotel? Yeah, yeah well, he's like, he's the, the landlord of this sort of like tenement building. <laughs> shit tenement building. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
I just I just got a real like Rigsby from Rising Damp mm. vibe off him. Like he's a, sort of like a slimy landlord. No wonder I loved him then because I loved him. <laughs> because, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> going back to the voices, um, could you imagine any of these characters sounding any different? Right. Because they all seem perfectly well yeah, pitched. Yeah. yeah, that's true. The accents are all over the place, as they would be, because they're all from different areas of Fable Land or whatever. You know, and um, just. I couldn't imagine, say, uh, Mr. Toad uh, coming across with, I don't know, an Australian accent. That would be insane. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, he's. I guess in a way, he's again. They're subverting your expectations because you. He doesn't come off as you know, like you know, like some of these fairy tale characters have, have clearly spoken in other media that we might have been introduced them to. Yeah. He doesn't come off as like Toad of Toad no, or anything not at like all. that. <laughs> Where's Badger? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, or he could be the toad that isn't. Um, he could be from the Princess and yeah. the Frog or whatever, couldn't he? We're not not entirely sure exactly which one is. I from. think a lot of them sort of fill in. Like um, Bigsby is the wolf from uh, from uh, you know the, the the big bad wolf from the Three Little Pigs, pigs. but and, and Red Riding Hood and Ed, like pretty much every other fairy tale that involves a big bad wolf. Um, he embodies all of them whereas like others are kind of very specific like uh, Buffkin is I think he's one of the the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz so he's very specific mm. and uh, the talking mirror um, yeah. is a character I absolutely loved because of his sort of like um, <laughs> obsessive bureaucracy <laughs> gotta uh, rhyme it he won't <laughs> yeah you've gotta if you don't play by the rules then he won't give you what you want <laughs> I never understand that Bigby doesn't have a car. They're always getting in taxis. Is that a New York yeah, but, thing, maybe? No, but, uh, I but think I mean, it's just a New York yeah. thing, though. You like, would have thought the sheriff would have had a sheriff. Yeah, that's what something. I mean. Yeah. I also think it's a story device in the fact that him and White have to get mm. driven elsewhere, so it's a good way of delivering narrow <laughs> <laughs> while they're doing it. Good point, yeah. That's true, mm. yeah. But he lives, he lives in a rather, like crappy apartment um i don't know whether he could actually afford to have a car <laughs> yeah suppose they're all on white shirts they're all jealous aren't they that he lives in the yeah. they call it the woodlands don't yeah. they? is that what they're yeah yes so that's seen as some kind of like pre- prestigious um address yeah. isn't it but what even that like it looks famous. very poor when you're inside it and stuff whether it's just how he lives mm. Well, the security guard, the security guard didn't really have no. much regard for it, did he? <laughs> Constantly asleep. No. Well, that's the thing. Everything's yeah. decayed, hasn't it? Because <laughs> they've been there for 400 years, you know, and things have got a bit shitty. They're very much stuck in the past, a lot of them. Uh, you go around to some of the places and they look like they've been lived in for a yeah. very long time, you know, and you, you've got that uh, decay and uh, just general mustiness. Yeah, yeah. except for uh, the business office. Yeah. Which is rather yeah. grandiose. Yeah, like a, really, like a really grand library. Environment. Mm, yeah. And yeah. when you eventually go into um, Beauty and the Beast's house uh, or apartment, they've very much, yeah. which we'll get to later in the game, but try to yeah, replicate what it once was yes. or how they used to live. Yeah, yeah, but you can see the tears in the wallpaper yeah. and things like that. And, you know, and it, again, it's just a bit rough around the edges. Well, they built 400 years worth of credit card debt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they still never paid it off. With PPI claiming half <laughs> Guy's covered in blood and you let him go? No one asked you. Ah! Come on, you're under arrest. I didn't do it. And you got nothing to worry about. We had something very special. 
Okay, moving on to episode two, entitled Smoke and Mirrors. Uh, Big B is taken in for questioning, but Crane uses a spell to wipe the incident from the police's mind. Uh, when they return, they are surprised to find that Snow is still alive. <gasps> the head is shown to be... Mm. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see like, nope. at all. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Yeah, the, the head is shown to have been uh, disguised by a black market glamour, a spell that the fables used to look like humans, and belongs to a troll named Lily. Uh, Bigby tracks Lily's connections to a sleazy strip club run by Georgie Porgy, uh, but Georgie claims his innocence. One of the other prostitutes, Nerissa, cryptically directs Bigby to a nearby hotel room where they find Lily's blood on the bed and a photographic evidence of Crane engaging in sexual acts with Lily glamour to look like Snow White, which was yeah. creepy as yeah, hell. Yeah, another knockout ending yeah. to the episode just they really nailed those cliffhangers it had a quite a dark opening but this is where it started to become yeah. really really yeah. dark yeah <laughs> and, and almost like um, <clears throat> yeah I, I almost I, wanted, I don't know if obscene is the right word but um, I was really like people I think Ali was talking about some of the fruity language but this is also the episode where particularly around the character of the, the former little um, mermaid the kind of like nudity and how she's having to like gyrate on the pole and everything when you go and meet yeah. Georgie it really does mm. uh, go up a notch in terms of not just like adult themes but um I don't know how to kind of articulate it. It was almost like I thought, God, I'm really surprised how far yeah, they're like pushing it, the envelope. So everything's got a layer of grime on it. Everything's really Seedy greasy and sleazy. And sleazy yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a game that I think um, if it was a, a movie or something, it'd definitely be a, a 15, if not an yeah, 18. Yeah, what is the rating on um, this, by the way? It's an 18. 18. Yeah, right. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Like, because there's lots of violence and and sex and swearing, and yeah, it's definitely definitely for adults only. Yeah, it's, it's quite nice to have quite a, a gritty game for for adults as well. Because even the likes of Grand Theft Auto still have a very comedic aspect, and kids play them, which each their mm. own. You know, that's up to the parents. But I, I couldn't imagine anyone letting their children under the age of what 13 14 maximum i know it's an 18 uh playing it that's a good mm. point uh, actually yeah mm. yeah no i'm saying because like um you're right in terms of some of its successes it did remind me of like the what classified as mature games like gta but like mark said it's the tonal difference whereas some people can yeah. just treat gta as this almost like escapist uh i don't know playground of like carnage and carnality this feels very much like a noir like there's real kind of stakes for the characters mm, and yeah. degradation mm, like yeah. you feel well I did I felt very much you know it wasn't just there might have been a momentary titillation where I was like oh my god there's like nudity in this game but like it very quickly was replaced with I fucking hate Georgie so you're going on the list I, I love Georgie <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so again the following uh, stats were taken from the uh, the Wikipedia um, so the choices that we had from this episode uh, how did you respond to Crane about Snow's death um, so myself and Lee both sympathised with Crane and 60.9% of the community did that also um, no one on this podcast accused him of not caring about her uh, but 12.1% of the community did uh, and Andy and Mark uh, ignored him so that might have been a, a timed thing or a, a did you guys choose to do that or is that just a uh, uh, an accident <laughs> no I I, uh, I chose to because uh, right from the off I felt there was something not right about Ichabod Crane didn't like him at all and didn't want to sympathise with him but didn't want to start hurling accusations either so I just ignored the question it's a weird yeah. betrayal but because it's no how I imagine Ichabod Crane in my head 
Because you've either got the Johnny Depp version or the Sleepy Hollow yeah. TV series, yeah, version, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. And he's usually a kind of roguish young Cutia man, you know? Mm. Got like the cut yeah. his jib. He's a good guy. And this is a withered old man who's, again, like we were saying, it's like they're good glory days are by this is mm-hmm. they go there to die yeah. in it it's like he's, he's, he's chasing false idols and lost dreams in it Christ this yeah, is crime to deep. me came across as more of a, a Scrooge than a than crime yeah that's yeah. The, 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 the you know the feel that you get from him is a as a bitter old man one of the things that this game does really well is it shows how the how the world that the, the fables have been thrust into since they left the homeland kind of shapes how they looked like I don't imagine Georgie Porgy in the back in the, the fables day in the homeland was covered in tattoos and yeah, yeah. running sleazy strip bars and things like that. They kind of become shaped by the world they're they're in. I don't know. He's, he's fingering a few pies. Hey. And he did make a few girls cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, you know, I, I mean, on this one that chai's fair. I did miss it actually because I was looking at something else. But what the game does encourage you to do is to use that silence. I don't think I've come across that too often in a game where it just encourages you to use silence and you can get more out of people when you do use silence because they're almost like looking at you oh shit why is he silent I'd better say something a bit more so if I say something a bit more we reveal a bit more information so I thought the game used silence effectively in that way yeah it's not a a skipping or anything like that and it has to think about it it kind of like you say uses it as a He's not said anything for a reason. Yeah. Is he? Is he annoyed or whatever? Yeah, and it, and it removes that kind of more, I guess, system of binary opposites where it's like just a multiple choice test or something. I think that you know that's a really good point that actually gives you a bit more kind of freedom than just the regimented. Oh, you've got. A, I know you don't click A, B, C, or D. You kind of just mm. touch the screen, don't you? Or I guess it depends if you're playing on a non-touch screen. You, you would push the uh, whatever the kind of controller symbols are. But no, I, th- I, I think that's a really good point, Andy. I, I don't think it had really sunk into me until I'd kind of played through the game a second time. Uh, so moving on, depending on uh, whether you arrested uh, Tweedledee or the Woodsman, uh, you get to uh, interrogate the murder suspect. Um, so 62.3% uh, persuaded him to talk which included Lee, Andy and Mark and myself um, broke his finger I think it was uh, and forced him to talk along with 37.7% uh, of the community yeah I did that first time round <laughs> <laughs> you will talk you bastard <laughs> isn't there something with a cigar as well do you put your cigar yeah. out on him or something yeah you smash bottles around his face as well that's it yeah. the old ones yeah, I don't think I went to that extreme <laughs> but yeah I mean but Booby was such a bastard I thought I better come in as good cop here yeah, that was interesting because I, I, it wasn't mm. until I kind of had read the comics after playing the game that I kind of realised he had a bit more importance. Like I wasn't, he was maybe the one character in the story that once I'd kind of ruled him out as a suspect, I wasn't really sure what he was doing there. Like I didn't mm. feel like he had much to offer. Yeah. But mm. isn't it right that in the actual Fables comics, Ichabod Crane was never in charge? It is that Bluebeard is. Isn't Bluebeard the boss? Maybe this is because it's a prequel though. Well, that's the thing. Isn't it? Sure, yeah. No, no, of course, no. I know they've retrofitted it in that way, and that's that's why he's there. But I mean, I think just through taking this as like a standalone, he was maybe the, the weaker link. Well, he was a killer, wasn't he? He was a serial killer, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I found Bluebeard a bit mm. over the top. I think he's probably the one that I liked the least as far as the character was concerned because of his voice and whatever. It was very pantomimic. Yes, yeah. yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think the, the interesting thing for me as well with this choice is this is one of those ones that came back to haunt you throughout the game in later mm. episodes um, because I think there's a few uh, confrontations and they're like oh no don't are you going to try and break my fingers to make me talk as well or you know you're going to what are you going to do to make me talk throughout the game? And there was, I think it's more towards the end of uh, episode five where they really bring up a few things. Um, and this was the one that stood out for me as, oh yeah, I did do that, didn't I? It does come back that, to haunt that you a little bit. decision mechanic is largely smoke and mirrors. Ultimately, the game is going to go in the direction that it needs to for the story. But you're right, there's like this huge, yeah. there's two of these kind of like parallel narrative arcs. And it is either like you play it like Andy suggested where you're trying to prove that you're a reformed character and through the game you're bringing more people into your trust or it's yeah. like no you've played it I guess in his old ways the violent ways to get to get the job done and it actually that pushes people further away from you um, so although it's not as complex I think as the game leads you to believe it still can work you know the fact that you do get that ripple effect that you're referring to Ali well you do because I, I, I absolutely try to play try to role play it as Bigby trying to escape his past and trying to be this reformed character who doesn't rely on violence like he used to but um, as I'm sure we'll come across in some of the choices uh, further on uh, I did occasionally lapse into slightly more traditional Bigby (laughs) behaviour and then massively regretted it afterwards moving on to the next one Uh, did, did you let Snow White come with you to the trip and trap uh, so you get the option to say whether she's going to uh, accompany you or not. Um, and myself, Lee, Andy and Kev um, and Mark um, let her make her own decision along with 91.9% of the community uh, and 8.1% of the community told her she should stay safe. I think we all took the same decision that Snow White was Capable, quite capable of taking care of herself. Mm. She was a strong character. Yeah, and she's immortal. So what are you going to lose? Apart from what her head chopped off. Unless, yeah, she's immortal in the Highlander sense. <laughs> <laughs> the next decision, uh, we went to meet uh, Georgie Porgy at his strip joint. Yay! Uh, and it's how you handled him to try and get information out of him. <laughs> uh, so sixty-nine point nine good number uh, which is Lee myself Andy and Mark uh, all decided not to hit Georgie and Kev because it's Kev uh, decided to hit him along with 30.1% he was asking for it right. oh, I agree Kev again I did, I did hit him on the first place and I took pleasure in smashing up his you know his, his den of iniquity yeah I like so what I did I smashed up his bar I, I didn't want I didn't actually lay oh, hands I on him help I just smashed yeah. his bar up a bit mm. I did it twice. I thought I'd not done it the first time, so I thought I'd let him again. <laughs> he was he was a cocky little shit as a character. He was so full of it, so full of confidence. And it was mm. revealed later why he's so full of yes. confidence. Yeah. You know, and he thinks basically Big Big Cat touch mm. him. So I was tempted to, but I just kept smashing his bar up and, <laughs> until he just broke. And, but... <sighs> It's difficult, you know, because how we're led to him is through a series of clues. Well, no, like, you're right. It's almost as if you think he might be... um, At the beginning, you think maybe it's going to be the woodsman that is your nemesis in the game. And then it kind of seems to be leading, like, all paths leading to Georgie's place, I guess. And you think that it's going to be, like, this big confrontation with a a potential criminal mastermind. And he he just totally Mm. isn't that. 
so it's mm. kind of it takes you back in that sense and again you're it just becomes another at this point in time another kind of like fork in the road for you to hone in on what the true story is but it is of course you know alluding to the fact that he feels he's completely without um he's like above the law isn't he like he's mm. untouchable and then the final decision um, is if you kept hitting Beast. So after being to see uh, George Porgy, uh, you get led to an apartment block, uh, which is where uh, some of the hookers take their clients. Uh, and you find out that actually um, Beauty works there. And there's a confrontation between Beast and Beauty. Um, and I think this does lead on for one of your decisions earlier on in the game. And you have a little fight with Beast. Um, 13.4% of the community uh, hit Beast a second time. Um, there's 77.7% uh, which is including Lee, myself, Andy and Mark uh, decided not to hit uh, Beast a second time and then 8.9% never uh, had Beast at your mercy at all yeah I just wanted like the fight to be over so I could go back to that door where the loud sex was coming from <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried that door so many times just couldn't get it open <laughs> Uh, I think personally I, I didn't hit Beast because I thought he was uh, overreacting on mm. the situation um, so I just mm. thought no it's not worth the second hit but the first one um, yeah yeah likewise I, I, he's kind of like a pathetic character really isn't he yeah um, he's desperately trying to save his relationship but um, w- with beauty but He's a rather he's going about it all the wrong way, mm. um, but he's a rather pathetic character. So I, I, I felt no, shouldn't hit him a second time. He's learnt his lesson. Yeah, there's a bunny boiler of men, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the lead up to this is quite interesting, though, wasn't it? Because you are helped by another prostitute yeah. at the um, club. Yes. Yeah, that's well written, isn't it? That 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 mm. kind of exchange, how it's kind of clandestine, like and, you know, she's trying to speak in code because they've got that. Um, is it like a dog collar thing, like a, a, yeah, a, a ribbon? Yeah, a ribbon. Yes, a ribbon. that's it. And, they, and my lips are sealed, isn't it? That all, all the way yeah. through. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. but you don't know at the, at the you don't know at the time that it's anything to do with the the dog, like the ribbon. No. Of course, no. no, that's right. I, I mean, did part, did part of you hope that it was a real appointment that you were making? I did. Kim <laughs> must have had the money though. Kim must have had the money because I didn't have any money for it. Oh yes, yeah, she, yeah. she had to pay for it. Yeah. So. Who do you take the money off? I can't remember. It, it was in the interrogation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I pocketed everything yeah. I could. I took his money as well. Yeah, bastard. Yeah. Any any time there was cash, yeah, I did pocket. I must admit, yeah. I thought I was going to use it for some great good later on. No hookers. <laughs> yeah, because there's a bit where something happens with Toad, and I thought I could use some money, but. Yeah, later on I heard that. But um, for Beast, you know, like you, this is the second time you have a hint of Wolf's uh, Big Beast power, don't you? Because he's human form, but his sort of eyes turn, his teeth grow mm. a bit longer. He always seems like a man in control, and that is yeah. any any option or any time he can lose it and then turn into you know he has got his power even in human form yeah you're right because he takes a lot of kind of punishment I don't know whether that's kind mm. of um, purely because he gets outmatched in his human form or whether I don't know psychologically he feels he deserves it but it only kind of triggers when he's really taking a hiding doesn't it and like you're mm. right for the fact that yeah. it's called the wolf among us he hasn't become a wolf 
fully at all yet. Yeah. I mean, no. Because no. I know a case of showing that he's losing his, his humanity and Christ, I'm really deep tonight. Is it no case of him losing his humanity and he's controlling the situation and then just embracing what he is and his nature as the beast, you know? And it's each episode that keeps falling. Yeah. Keeps like, he keeps like he's controlling that grasp with each decision that keeps taking him down the rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it's that kind of visualization of him losing his hope and the kind of what, what he's been trying to pretend to be, if you would. Mm. You, stay right there. Don't even think about sitting down. We're not finished. Leave her alone, asshole. Sure, whatever you say. It's the big bad wolf. Jesus, big baby, so corny. I love it, though. No, seriously. They used to call me the Little Of course you do. I don't have answers. You'll have to find those yourself. Do you have to mention my name? I mean, it's it's not like Beast would ever see you report. It's just, well, you never know. Don't worry about it. Unless I have to write down better. Thanks. Episode 3 of Crooked Mile. Big Bane forms snow of evidence linking Crane to the crime scene and they race back to the woodlands to find Crane gone. Hardly surprising. And a magic mirror which could have revealed his location shattered with one shard missing. Along the way, Bigby discovers that Crane has been embezzling money from Fable Town, probably why it's so poor, over the years to pay for a loan shark known as the Crooked Man. Bigby follows a trail of clues to Crane's whereabouts to the apartment of Auntie Greenleaf, one of the witches that makes the black market glamours. When Bigby and Snow threaten to destroy the tree she needs to make them, Greenleaf begs forgiveness and points the two back to George's club. Storming the club, they find Crane trying to hide in the back of the prostitute. Snow realises Crane's actions are not that of a murderer. But a paedophile or a sick bastard. <laughs> and the two convince Crane to return the questioning. As they go back, they are stopped by the crooked man and his agents, the Tweedles, and you are introduced to Bloody Mary. Mary and the Tweedles goad Bigby into his werewolf form and the fight breaks out. When Mary wounds Bigby with a silver bullet, Snow steps in to stop the fight and gives up Crane to save Bigby. No! This is the middle episode. And basically, it just felt a bit of a, a runaround, isn't it? You're going from place to place to place, returning here, and you have it's just basically a person chase for Crane. Yeah, because obviously you think that's you know he is the suspect, and yeah. that you're mm. still dealing with a a murder mm. investigation. Whereas mm. obviously now, by its end, 
it starts to become something else. And I don't know, in, in a way, whilst it's exciting that the first time you're discovering all of this new information and it's going to be a broader canvas, the game goes down. Part of me really enjoyed that it was really locked down. Mm. as like a murder mystery. So I was kind mm. of, in, in a way, I was slightly... Um, I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but I realised it was it wasn't actually going to be about a serial killer. Well, it's mm. that typical trope, isn't it? Where when I knew it wasn't going to be Crane, so it was introduced too early. You know, mm. in fact, you're actually after Crane just for the sake of um, that is just a sick bastard, really, for having these fantasies of Snow White for years and years and years and glamorising a troll to look like yeah. it. Yeah, it, it quickly becomes a uh, a, a coward, and mm. I think it's the last time you see Crane as well, isn't it? Once he's gone into that car, well, he just you're disappears. right. We realise that he's a value, isn't he, to this like other? I mean, it is mm. the crooked man, but I can't remember whether he's named or not. Possibly he is, but like we realise that he is um, under his protection again, and the fact that he doesn't yes. want him to be um, arrested because he's the one who's kind of like allowed the crooked man to operate, and I guess also what embezzled money for mm. him or. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it is mentioned right at the end of the game during one of the scenes that um, Crane is involved in all that mm. and he is I mentioned mean, a few times. One of the things I want to happy about, I mean, we've got to talk about Snow White a bit later on, is that she wants to destroy the tree, doesn't she? You know, when you have Auntie Greenleaf, she, you know, she's always been one mm. for the people and all that, and here she's trying to actually make things worse for somebody who's just trying to get by. But she hasn't got that broader perspective yet. I think it's more about she thinks that the the initial kind of like infractions against whatever their way of life is, she wants to like hold that culprit accountable. It, it, it takes a slow dawning on her that it's actually all intricate and it's like um, she isn't aware, is she, that there's that within their community that there are these uh, more kind of underground factions. Mm. I don't think she, it, it's a real surprise to her that the crooked man's there. Yeah. I mean, people are going to him because that they're not able to get a help for, from not the through the official channels because that's like part of her arc, isn't it? That she actually realizes that it's almost beyond repair in some regard. Like it has to be mm. that she has to hit rock bottom, and you know, you, it isn't just a simple case of well, that person's selling these down, um, back street glamour so if we stop her from doing that then the problem's going to go away it's all part of like a network you get the impression that she spends so much time uh, in the business office at um at the woodlands mainly dealing with the more affluent members of of uh, fable town and then the people who are the, the only experience she has of the less well-off people's uh, problems is when they come to the business office to ask for help. Uh, and if she, she hasn't been out and seen the seedier side of, of uh, the world that they live yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's her kind of like upward trajectory in a sense that she before was deliberately being kept at arm's length from really knowing what was going on by, you know, Crane. Yeah, yeah. So it, she starts to kind of like take on... Uh, how can we put it like the spokesman for the people she thought she was that before but mm. realised that she couldn't do it um, whereas I think you know by the end of the game she's very much hoping that her and Bigby can kind of like start afresh and actually recognise and meet some of the needs of, of, of all of the society so like you're saying because mm. she's now going out along with Bigby on her investigation although some of the times I wish she just wouldn't because she's constantly <laughs> in the ear um, I, uh, I, I kind of like I can recognise what she's trying to do and I must admit the first playthrough I did burn 
the, the tree down I was like backing her up completely but uh, <laughs> I suppose on reflection yeah that wasn't the, that wasn't necessarily the, the uh, cleverest well, this is where you give um, her a job don't you this is when Bieber starts reaching out and uh, offering jobs left right and centre yeah yeah because he, he offers one to the frog guy as well doesn't he mm. yeah the fly catcher yeah, yeah. yeah although I don't think you get that unless you go to a certain place in a certain you've got to go again. to Tweedledee's office first aren't you no, I think it's Crane's. Is a Crane's apartment? No, isn't Crane's. It? A, uh, Crane's apartment. No, it's Tweedle's. Tweedle's yeah. office. Oh, okay. Because the, uh, the fly yeah. catcher, he he's the cleaner at the Tweedledee and Tweedledum's office. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the apartment you had to find the headless horseman um, ornament. There were two things that you had to find, and one was to offer the fly catcher a job, and the other was to find the um, headless or, or horseman. Uh, ornament at Ichabod Cranes. Isn't there some like book as well, isn't it? Like a diary of names, and that's how they work out that it's where he's going to meet the witch. Because there's like a countdown yeah. in this one, yeah. isn't there? And you have to do it all within yeah. the right amount of time, otherwise you're going to kind of miss this meeting. Yeah, don't, the episode begins with um, the funeral, doesn't it, of the troll who is the yeah. sister of the bar owner, Lily? Yeah, that's right, Lily. Yeah. yeah. Just as a side note, thinking about the funeral. Um, if you don't interrupt Snow's speech and go over to the table, uh, I don't know whether anybody did this, but if you look at the cards, all the cards are pictures of bridges. And, of course, it's a troll's funeral, which I thought was a fantastic oh, it touch. takes place under a bridge, but... Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they've got, um, uh. I think it's called Gruff. It's either a Billy Goat or Gruff um, Whiskey. <laughs> There's a bottle of that on yeah, the table yes, as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some lovely yeah, yeah. little touches like that. Well, Big B smokes yeah. Huff and Puffs, doesn't he? Which is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My favourite brand, Huff and Puff. But he's the only one that smokes them, apparently, because they keep, they keep referencing that as well, I think. It's quite cool. So moving on to the choices that we had uh, in this episode. Um, the first one, uh, which we just alluded to, which was uh, Snow White uh, speaking at uh, the funeral. Um, so uh, 80%, 80.7% uh, chose not to interrupt Snow uh, as she was speaking um, and that included Lee, um, myself, Andy, Mark and Kev and 19.3% of the community uh, actually interrupted the the uh, the talk that she was given. Rude. Yeah, I think again it, it fits in with that idea that I started to invest in them as, as like real characters yeah. in that I'd already seen her mm. corpse like laid out on a slab and I just felt, you know, the, the least, the minimum amount of respect you can give is a tender funeral and, and not make a yeah. scene. But of course that gets taken out of your hands in any case. Yeah, and I think you were warned off when you first got there as well because they notice you're there and you're like, carry mm. on, I'm just in the background kind of thing. Yeah, because I think that that's almost like the hotbed of people that don't really accept Bigby at the beginning of the game and then depending on kind of like the choices you make, they, they end up being people that can stand up and speak for you um, at the end of the game, like the, the Grins yeah. and the um, Lily's sister. Yeah, well, they actually stand up name. and fight with you against uh, Tweedledum and Tweedledee when they turn up. So moving on, uh, it was which did we investigate first? You had a choice of three places uh, to start your next phase of your investigation. I went to the Trip and Trap with 40.6% of the community. 39.6% uh, which included Lee uh, went to Crane's apartment and, and Andy and Mark went to Tweedledee's office uh, along with Kev and 19.8% of the community now off the back of this uh, decision um, also de 
depended on whether you got the next decision or not, um, which was the flycatcher and offering him a job. And if you um, went to um, the Tweedle's office last, you wouldn't get the option to offer uh, the flycatcher a job. Um, but all of us uh, managed to offer him a job um, along with 96.1% of the community and only 3.9% didn't offer him a job. Um, so if you went to the Twiddledee's office where uh, the flycatcher works, um, you wouldn't have got the opportunity to meet the flycatcher. He would have gone uh, and finished his job for the day and you wouldn't have been able to mm. offer him a I job. I just thought it was a waste of time going to Crane's apartment, really. You've already eliminated yeah. Yeah, suspect, I thought that as well. So I figured he wouldn't be there. There's little point. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I'd go see the Tweedles because they were acting suspiciously. They seemed to know more than the letter. Mm. They seemed to know the bigger picture of him more than anything. So the next decision um, was uh, if you offered, uh, sorry, made a deal with Jack. Uh, and you'll only have got this if you went to Crane's apartment first. So 70.8% um, decided to make a deal with the community uh, 29.2% of the community decided not to make him a deal uh, and all of us <laughs> here um, had no option on that one <laughs> um, because of the order that we uh, made the previous because he's trying to steal stuff isn't he yeah he's breaking in the place when you walk in you think he's and he comes uh-huh. out and he's like okay. he catch him on the balcony don't you that's right yeah because I've done, yeah. must have done it the other way yeah. round before yeah, I've done it yeah. I've done it that way because I'm, I'm he's remembering well this boy that boy knows his stuff because uh, he's like on the balcony and you're kind of like what is going on here and he's like oh and it's, it's, it's quite cool the next decision from there was did you burn uh, the witch's green leaves tree um, and 79.5% uh, of the community didn't burn the tree along with uh, Lee, myself, Andy and Mark and 20.5% decided to burn the tree <laughs> I did that yeah as a surprise <laughs> you're an arsonist as well <laughs> are you being violent Kev does it tree, tree burner was always you'd have lying. burnt the witch wouldn't you if you could <laughs> Um, and then right at the very end of the uh, episode when you've got the uh, the showdown you get the opportunity to kill Tweedledum um, and 55.8% of the community along with uh, myself Andy and Mark uh, decided to show mercy and 44.2% along with Lee and Kev because of their <laughs> despise for him decided to kill him well this was the first time he'd gone full walk so I, I felt like it was almost like inviting me to you know he's chased not quite did you rip out his throat oh no okay did you rip his throat out I wasn't yeah. what was it yeah yeah uh, that's yeah. what it is yeah it rips yeah. tears him down yeah, it tears him a new one like the werewolf in Paris it shut him up so mm. <laughs> <laughs> it worked <laughs> Did he have any money in his pockets? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one who creates the situations. I'm just the one who has to deal with them. So the fourth episode is uh, In Sheep's Clothing and it starts off with Big B in a hell of a state after the tussle, the kerfuffle as he's mortally wounded. Um, him and the doc are trying to take bits of silver out of him because if he doesn't get the silver out of him he's going to die. Um, and when I mean he's mortally wounded he lifts his arm and his hand goes one way and the bone goes the other way. Um, he's an absolute wreck. Um, after a kind of a conversation with Snow White and so forth and Colin getting dug into the dock they decide to patch him up and send him on his way because he's not going to rest because 
got to solve the crime. He then proceeds to walk out, and as he walks out, the nurse walks in. And then what proceeds is, uh, by the end of it, he finds out that the ribbon she wears that was the same as the one Faith wears is a spell which uh, compels them not to say anything, as their lips are sealed. With every question you ask her, uh, she can't say uh, what she wants to say because of the ribbon. Um, he's then led to Beauty and Beast's room, which uh, is again, it's very talk heavy. It's very, very talk heavy. This this episode, I feel, um, as it's setting up the final, the final lead. So at Beauty and Beast's house, he finds out that they are in debt up to their eyeballs. Funny how you mentioned 400 years worth of debt, but uh, they owe the pawn shop big time. So at this point you're given the choice to go to the pawn shop or you're given the choice to go to a butcher shop which is called Cut Above and it is where Beast has been delivering suspect packages from and to. Given the choices uh, you can either go to the pawn shop where you go and you find Jack, the charming young man that he is, working in the, the, the store but at the same time Toad is trying to sell the goat skin coat that Faith wore. Uh, to try and raise some money for glamours for his kids and so forth. Yeah, right. Um, but he's trying to sell it. And at that point, you're asking Jack if he's seen the woodsman's axe. Because it's gone missing, I think. Um, the pawn shop's a great place. It's full of Easter eggs. You walk around the cabinets and there's all these different fairy tale moments and a lot of different characters are mentioned. There's a really cool moment where he just stands and stares at a fish for a... quite a time. Just looks at that fish. But at that point, uh, one of the best characters in the game, I think, enters the frame in the form of the Jersey Devil. The urban legend that he is. Um, the Jersey Devil is probably one of the more sinister-looking characters in the game, I would say. Uh, just a big grey body with a ram skull for a head. Um, and a kerfuffle, kerfuffle breaks out between you, him, and the woodsman. Um... And at that point, you find the axe, and my memory is going foggy at that point. So, um, you then go to the butcher shop. That, I th- isn't that where they're delivering out the glamours? Like, they kind of get... So they get yeah, made a, up... A back and, room. And, yeah, and then kind of, like, sent out for... Are they not chopping people up as well in the back of the, uh, the butcher shop? I think, aren't they doing something... No, slave labour. Uh, um, and it's the, the, the making all the potions and glamours. And yeah. yeah, because it's like you go in the back and there's like baths full of blood and stuff into it. It's as if they're, they're milking people and stuff. I think you're just yeah, thinking about your local. <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly. But it's as if they're, they're kind of farming organs and stuff to make glamours. And the very nice, mm. my old man or butcher, who isn't he a, a major fable character, if I remember rightly, which is really strange, because after having the Jersey Devil at the pawn shop you've got the kind of butcher guy who isn't really a major major guy you know but he's on the same street as the baker and the candlestick maker so he's actually quite a part (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is true that's one of the best lines in it so do you know the butchers where is it it's up the street for the is it (laughs) great (laughs) always on always on brand boys I like it I really like it so then Big B looks at the, the donkey skin which he retrieved from the pawn shop and inside that 
uh, falls out the shard of the mirror that he's been searching because the magic mirror can't operate unless he's complete. So he then is able to go and replace that into the mirror and ask the mirror the true questions that he's been looking for, which end in a suspecting, substantial action centers up for the all-great finale that is episode five. Yeah, this is the one that's the more... Is it like a completely seamless scene? In other words, it begins in this episode and then you go straight into it um, pre-credits in the next one because you kind of walk into the Crooked Man's I don't know like secret hideaway that seems to kind of like move around or whatever and he's mm. you, you do get a glimpse of him but that's it isn't it like the first line of dialogue so you walk in if you walk into the room man, you walk into his room and they're all sitting yeah and he goes we've been waiting on you and he hits his staff on the ground and then it does that yes bump yeah. scene bump scene um, but mm. I think this is the shortest episode as well in the game I think it clocks in about an hour, hour and a wee bit. Yeah, it felt real short. I don't think that's a coincidence because I I felt that although you're coming to the culmination of the the mystery, I think this episode and potentially in a way the last, but particularly this one, I feel like they're starting to rush. Like looking at the release dates, they weren't as far behind as I think other Telltale games have been. But I don't know, I felt like it was starting to show a few kind of like um, phrase around the seams now it seems stretched into five and it could have been yeah. quite easily mm. four mm. three probably well the thing the, the weird thing is with the episode four I don't think you need it to go to beasts in beauties but you know what I mean mm. it's a bit weird because yeah. you could have got enough information from the Arissa yeah to fundamentally go to the the, the pawnbroker the only really reason he went to boost and that is to find out that they're in debt and that their super spashing visade or weird royalty is actually a fraud and really there's in a bag situation as everybody else and that's why they're working at like the whorehouse and he's working delivering dodgy glamours and stuff mm. as they try and pay off the debt that he owes the Jersey devil who works for the crooked man you know yeah, I think it does answer like a few or fills in a few plot holes but I don't think it's needed because when you're doing some investigation work you do see in a few books that um, how much money um, Beauty and the Beast um, owe the crooked man and that they work for him and things like that but I don't visiting them didn't really add yeah, it ties up plot strands. To the investigation. Yeah, it, yeah. it also yeah. I think doesn't fill out your fables. You know, like you get those little entries in yeah. the game that give you much more. Like they give you much more kind of info, so you can kind of like read up on it anyway, in a sense. Yeah, even for some of like the lesser characters, like Johan the butcher, who's just the butcher from Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker, um, like rhyme. Um, yeah, those help in filling some of the little, the, the little bits of information, but the characters are kind of like only there momentarily as well. I suppose it ties their part of the tale up. You're always wondering why they're arguing. You wonder why Beauty's um, receptionist for a brothel, essentially. Um, and it sort of ties their bit up and sort of, you know, they're in debt. And this is why they're working, they're in the um, cooking man's sort of businesses because they've tried to keep up their lifestyle. And it sort of fills... It fills that detail through. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and this Tiny Tim as well was another kind of incidental character, and I guess it's trying to show and highlight the ordinary people are getting caught in... They're getting caught up in something bigger, and they're actually having to do kind of like petty... On the fringes, like criminality, whereas that's not through their own desire, that's just to kind of survive. So I guess it it adds a bit more of a shade of nuance between just being like good guys and bad guys in the story. But did you not feel that the relationship between Beast, uh, Beauty, Beast and Wolf, like I always felt Beauty, there was always something between them. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? I always yeah. felt there was always more to that. Like, like she was after a beast, didn't she? <laughs> she was still after a beast. I always, I always felt, <laughs> I always felt that that there was always an underlying current there. Uh, like, there's some kind of, you know. I mean, when she's talking to him and he's talking to her, and the kind of glances, they, you get a feeling that there's there's past there. Do you know what I mean? And you always felt, always felt you got a bit softer on her because of that because you know what I mean and I always felt that that's why when you fought Beast there was always such intensity to it was the fact that you knew that you know what I mean you fundamentally knew that it was weird I don't know if I'm looking too deep again, again very deep very deep observation I wasn't sure whether there was something going on between Beast and Snow White, you know, because mm. it was really weird when Nerissa met um, Beast at his office and still said she couldn't say anything and she was touching his arm and stuff and Snow White walks in. Yeah, when she um, meets Big B, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, um, well, this is awkward, but I don't know why. pining for her, but isn't he? That's the whole thing, is Big B's pining for Snow White. That's the, the, sh- the shtick, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, the beauty <laughs> thing's a kind of slightly different interest and then, obviously, you're, you're down if you would in distress boom boom yeah. fairy tale yeah. is like your faith your Nerissa mm. their gravitational pull is is, is is actual protection if you would you know mm. what I mean that's what they see him as they see him as the big bad wolf they'll protect them you know yeah. and I think that's the kind of maybe that's the, the way the fable arc works that because he is the position he is the, the women gravitate with that kind of thought uh, uh, fucking hell this has gone really deep <laughs> but the whole safe harbouring thing you know that and the kind of like protection thing because yeah. it does find that women in it don't really um, they, they are all very similar other than the cycle <laughs> bitch but they're all I very like um, they're all very de- kind of on the same power room all the goodies are all the kind of same level and you couldn't really define them when you're talking to them you know what I mean so that, that's obviously like, you know part, I mean I think Snow White is kind of differentiated but I get what the point you're making and obviously where the story goes and the kind of twist and inverted commas ending that's like deliberate that it's kind of mm. there is such similarity shared between the likes of Faith and the Narissa character yeah but you look at the actual uh, fairy stories and they're all pretty much the same st- same character anyway yeah you mean the original like, archetype yeah. that they're drawn from yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. they're all running from the same mould <laughs> I bet it's like Coronation Street everyone's after each other everyone's slept with each other <laughs> if you say that's so know, that's what it seems to me <laughs> so moving on to the choices that we all made uh, in this uh, penultimate episode um, while you're getting patched up uh, by the doctor and everyone leaves you to uh, rest up a little bit uh, Colin uh, one of your pig friends is in your apartment and you get to decide whether you're going to send him to the farm or not so uh, 85.5% others uh, including myself Andy and Mark decided not to send him to the farm Kev and 14.5% uh, decided to send him to the farm uh, maybe because he fancied some uh, sausage <laughs> or something that night he was sick of him poncing cigarettes off him that's it he's got to start standing up for himself but, but did you not feel a, a twang of guilt because he fucked over his best mates <laughs> <laughs> what are you on about I'd already eaten his other two mates and made him homeless <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's the fact he, he uses that guilt on you as well he actually uses it against you and he's like by the way yeah you did kill me guys and you kind of killed my house and you know, 400 years of guilt yeah that's it man you know what I mean yeah it wears off and finally uh, Lee just decided to ignore him <laughs> it was more the case of I didn't want to disappoint Snow anymore I felt like she was a constant oh. thorn in my paw and she just had a go at me because I'd killed somebody and she just wasn't best pleased and I thought oh, I can't stand you're just wrapping me good books <laughs> Snow uh, moving on um did you attempt uh, to remove uh, Nerissa's ribbon? 
um, and a 63.8% um, didn't attempt to remove her ribbon, uh, which included Lee, because he's a gentleman, um, and 36.2% including myself, Kev, Andy and Mark all decided to remove her and start dressing her there and then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you go close to that neck and the horns up, boom, <laughs> no, son. That's extra, that's extra, my man, extra. Uh, the next decision we had um, was... Uh, which crooked operation did we investigate first? And 63.2% uh, decided to go to the cut above, uh, which included uh, myself, Andy and Mark, and Lee and Kev decided to go to the Lucky Pawn yeah, Shop, along with shop. 36.8% of the community. And did you say yourself as well, Steve? Yeah, the, the Jersey yeah. Devil Force. Yeah, it's a great mm. to see them... Um Toad again in the way he just delivers that fuck off line to, to Jack as he's leaving. I don't know if we mentioned Toad's kid, have we? TJ, uh, is it? Yeah, Toad Jr. Yeah, he's actually voiced by the same actress that does Beauty. Oh, right, yeah. The next decision we had to make moving on from there was did we send Toad to the farm? So there's a bit of a conversation with yourself and Snow, and she's um, basically trying to clean it up and if you haven't got a glamour uh, you're off to the farm and 73.3% uh, of the community including Lee and Andy didn't send him to the farm 26.7% including myself, Mark and Kev uh, decided to send him to the farm um, personally on that decision um, it had a lot of chances to do something about it or at least just hide away in his, uh, in his apartment um, and he chose not to so yeah, you've had enough chances, mate. You're off yep. to the farm, personally. I just thought I'd give him another chance. Yeah. I just thought I deserved it. He'd been beaten up early in the game, so I just thought, no, yeah, no, give me another chance. Give him, I give him the money. It's a sponger, <laughs> cut him loose. I got caught up on like the, the question itself. Uh, I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but the, the the way the question was presented, I thought I didn't think it would be like a permanent yes. thing. Yeah, but. That's how it ends up being presented, and I've really, really regretted my decision afterwards. I can't remember exactly how the question is is presented. Yeah, it's something like um, you've got to go there for a little bit, and then we'll, it won't be forever. That's what he says. What for a holiday? That's what they said to the old Giella before the show. You need to go to the bike, old yeah. Giella, just for a <laughs> bit. And the way that you have to explain it to um, TJ, and he gives you like the. Didn't he give you at some point? He gives you like a little present or something for Snow White. Mm. Yeah, the, and the last yeah. episode, so, yeah. You feel you feel kind of bad sending him up the up the river, so to speak. But also, I think um, I just wanted it to be. Oh, if I keep him with me, maybe we'll get a seat for, and he can be my psychic. So it's what big being told to the investigators. TJ Hooker style, just diving across the bonnet. I agree with Mark that it did seem like. Look, I'm, I'm, at least I'm going to tell you that you go in there, and then it may change or whatever um, so it didn't seem like it's a permanent thing the choices you get this is you get a choice of um, so he said like could decide whether or not you should send Mr. Toad to the farm and the choices are I'll do what I can you're going to the farm it won't be forever or not say anything and I went for it won't be forever thinking okay it'll just be a temporary thing just until things quiet down until we can sort out a glamour for you or something like that but that's not how it's presented when you've made the decision and so I instantly regretted it uh, and then the final decision uh, was how we responded to the uh, crooked man uh, when we first uh, met him. Uh, so 10.2%, including Lee. <laughs> That's what I was there for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're coming uh, in. 41.8%, <laughs> 41. including myself, uh, agreed to talk with him first. 
uh, 40.9%, including Andy and Mark, lit <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> And Kevin, his usual way, with 7% of the community threatened him. And all of his mates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Big B. Um, could yeah. turn any motherfucker I want. You didn't say in that to me, <laughs> did you? Um, and 0.1% uh, offered no response, which I think ended up giving the same one as you just lied to cigarette anyway. Basically, at that choice, I just thought, what would Jack Nicholson do in Chinatown? <laughs> <laughs> Episode 5 Cry Wolf. Having entered the Crooked Man's secret realm alone, Bigby meets the Crooked Man and his agents, which include Georgie, Vivian, Jersey Devil, D or Dom, and Bloody Mary. The Crooked Man explains that the situation is all a misunderstanding by Georgie, who had only been asked to deal with an internal problem, but Georgie asserts the Crooked Man told him to kill the women. A fight ensues and ends with the crooked man and Mary escaping together and a fatally stabbed Georgie fleeing with Vivian. Following Vivian to the club, she explains that the crooked man and Georgie were acting to stop a plot spearheaded by Faith with the other prostitutes. Vivian's revealed to be the girl with the ribbon around her neck and having made copies of her ribbon trapped girls like Faith, Lily and Nerissa for Georgie whilst guaranteeing their silence. Regretting her actions, Vivian undoes her ribbon, breaking the spell but severing her own head as the cost. When Bigby finds the crooked man's hideout, he's stopped by Bloody Mary, but by transforming into his wolf form he manages to kill her. Bigby then confronts the crooked man and corners him in an office, where he demands a fair trial at the Woodlands. Bigby can either arrest the crooked man or kill him immediately. So this is where the plot branches out. First, Bigby could arrest the crooked man. Bigby returns to the witching well at the business office with the crooked man to stand trial with Snow White, Bluebeard and the assembled fables of Woodlands. The crooked man demands the other fables to at least hear his point of view. Bigby and Snow are forced to defend their position against claims from the crooked man and fables supporting him. Bigby recounts Vivian's and George's confessions regarding the crooked man's involvement, but they are deemed untrustworthy as Bigby is the only living witness. Nerissa appears and freed of her ribbon reveals she heard the crooked man order the murders. She assures five other women can back up her testimony. Their testimonies are considered sufficient to believe the crooked man is guilty. So, plot branch B, uh, Bigby kills the crooked man. Bigby returns to the witching well at the business office to recount events with Snow White, Bluebeard and the assembled fables of Woodlands. He and Snow are forced to defend their actions against claims from the fables. Bigby recounts Vivian's and George's confessions regarding the crooked man's involvement, but they are deemed untrustworthy as Bigby is the only living witness. Nerissa appears and, freed of her ribbon, reveals she and five other women heard the crooked man ordered the murders. The testimonies are considered sufficient to believe that what Bigby did was right. In the epilogue, Snow and Bluebeard deal with the fallout of the crooked man's actions, whilst Bigby sees off those fables being taken back to the farm. Afterwards, he encounters Nerissa, who is moving on with her life. She admits that Faith concocted a plan with Lily, Nerissa and the other prostitutes to blackmail Georgie and the crooked man for their freedom, but Georgie killed Faith when he discovered their plot. Nerissa left Faith's head at the woodlands to get Bigby involved and gave false testimony to have the crooked man punished. Leaving, she comments Bigby is not as bad as everyone says he is, 
causing Bigby to recall Faith said the same before her death. Several past conversations with Faith, Nerissa, even Bloody Mary regarding the use of glamours plays out in Bigby's head, all leading him to question the true identity of Nerissa. Um, so personally, I think it was a bit of an anticlimactic ending. Um, I personally went with the choice of pushing uh, the crook man down the well after he tried to attack me, um, and we went to that trial. Um, and then the, the epilogue was just a bit meh. You have a little encounter uh, with the Toad and TJ uh, on their way to the farm, if that's what you've decided to do. Um, and then the ending bit with Narissa was just a bit suddenly open-ended that you're not sure what's going on and whether you decide to follow her or just leave her with it. Um, so I'm hoping there's going to be um, another season to this. It'd be awesome if they did do it. Um, but yeah, the, the this episode for me started okay. Uh, there was a lot of um, quick time events and combating and you're jumping from car to car and there's a lot of that and then a lot of talking and then a lot of nothing. Well, there's obviously that massive extended fight sequence with Bloody Mary where you get oh. to turn into like mm. this fucking ginormous mm. wolf yes. and eat like, millions yeah. of her clones or whatever. Yeah, mm. she's made of glass apparently. Yes. But there was something that Bloody Mary says during that fight which made me go and look up some uh, some of Bigby's backstory that's mentioned in some of the later Fables comics that I haven't got around to reading yet. Um, she mentioned something about the North Wind. Yeah, about his mum, isn't it? Yeah, uh, so I went and looked it up and Bigby was uh, one of seven pups born to the North Wind and Winter, the personification of the North Wind and Winter. Uh, and he was like the runt of the litter and so was mockingly called the Big Bad Wolf by his brothers. And when Winter died, all of his brothers went off to, to live with the North Wind and he stayed behind. And he became rather a sort of tragic but monstrous figure that went around... Um, he said like I'm reading this from the Fables Wikia after he failed to protect his mother's body Bigby vowed to kill something bigger every day by the time he hunted the three little pigs he discovered the gifts he inherited from the North Wind uh, the first humans he hunted and ate were Red Riding Hood and her grandmother and then this is where it starts to like take little bits from some of the comic book from some of the Fables as well so um he uh, hunts and eats Red Riding Hood and her grandmother and a local woodsman cuts him open uh, while Bigby is sleeping and pulls Red Riding Hood and her grandmother out of his stomach and sews rocks into his belly and throws him into a river. When stuff hits the fan, like, like it did tonight, it feels like before we came to the city, it feels kind of like home. And I've heard it said that maybe in some tiny little bottled up way deep inside... You kind of enjoy it when things go wrong. Because it gives you an excuse to just, you know, stop pretending. I think I can appreciate what you're saying, Ali, in terms of it's a bit of an anticlimax, but I, I I feel that there's there's still some nuggets of interest in there. It's still kind of, I could see why they put the heavy, more kind of, uh, QTE sections into up the epicness I guess of the action somewhat but I also did I, I felt the sting at the end was more interesting at least in its way it gets you to look back on your relationship with Faith and Narissa and whether they are in fact 
the same person in some of those scenes but just glamoured to look like the other um, rather than the crooked man trial because I, I think I did what, exactly what you did on my first playthrough and you know tried to arrest him and give him a trial and then I ultimately ended up pushing him down the well anyway <laughs> and on my second playthrough I just killed him straight away <laughs> at the foundry I just thought I can't be done with it <laughs> so I, I, so yeah ultimately because it no longer was a murder mystery I just think I had tired somewhat of the I, I think it's clever what they've done and I understand why they've tried to enrich the story but I think ultimately the Crooked Man wasn't that interesting like as a I, ra- I would have rather a serial killer than um, this subterfuge between prostitutes trying to escape his employ and then him being like this I don't know this kind of henchman in the shadows that kind of manipulates people it's just the same as uh, Jack Reacher's story isn't it? the guy that controls the empire and that is never seen and then they draw him out but I know Jack Reacher's a really weird linkage but it's kind of the same if you've seen that film the guy the Germans the baddie but he's never ever seen does that mean yeah. where um, is this Mark's opportunity to do the Herzog he can if he wants <laughs> um, but they kind of draw him out and then they catch him and it's the same with the, the crooked man because he never gets yeah. his hands dirty but he did this time you know but I also think the end mm. it's, a, it's a really good gateway drug in the sense that a majority of the fan base will play it and then they'll go wait a minute there's a whole story now opening up hmm. to be reading the stories and it's a great hmm. gateway into that other media and it's great bridging media as well you know hmm. although you're right but it hmm. doesn't have it doesn't follow on does it from the Narissa no. Faith narrative it's like as in that's, that no. mystery is left unresolved but I agree completely but then is that for the is that for the game then as in like is it like that is that a branch I would hope so because yeah I would hope there's so there's no a gut punch but I don't like think Walking Dead had if you know what I mean, no gut punch but well there wasn't a radiator scene in this like there was in The Walking Dead which kind of finished that story whereas in this there's, there's no radiator scene and I don't know but this also seems to have fallen out of the spotlight in the sense that they're already announcing Telltale that there's going to be a Walking Dead 3 we've obviously got yeah. the Batman well, game well they're getting bigger brands this is the thing isn't it because they're getting yeah so what's going to happen mm. with this because that's going to obviously be then ultimately left un, un I don't know our, in, our curiosity with that is going to be left unsatisfied and I think ultimately people might come to the game and have Ali's response that oh right there hasn't been a season 2 so maybe there's not one coming and that almost feels like a cheap but as Sean um, Connery said never say never yeah, well, I Again. hope so because I, yeah, I, I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it. I'd love to see it yeah. another another season because I think it deserves one. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like the Crooked Man was wasted. I think they could have possibly finished off this season without using him, but just mentioning Ooh. him. And you might have just visited him a few times without killing him. And it's like kind of the King Penguin Daredevil. Yeah, you know, they, they get him, they put him in the jail at the end and stuff like that. And yeah. it's a really interesting thing because, like I say, season two. I believe would have been him coming back out of that well and coming back for you and that would have been really cool mechanic because then you've got a really pissed off bad guy after you, you know um, I don't know if it would have yeah. I don't know if as you're saying the detective side slides and I think there was only a niche window they could have did that way unless it would have evolved into L.A. Noir. Mm. Um and I think that's window passed and then it kind of focused on the tale they were telling but it does kind of I feel it leaves itself open for a sequel and I know Telltale spin a million plates you know what I mean it's like all the franchises have got but maybe it's just a case that they'll get round them all again because if that's the name of Walking Dead well theoretically Wolf's next because Wolf Ooh. was after Walking Dead wasn't it yeah it was but then like I say if, if, if it is doing that order but then you could argue well you had Walking Dead Michonne and stuff but technically that's no Walking Dead canon like Walking Dead season 3 will be you know so I wouldn't get up hope just yet 
you know what I mean? I'd get another couple of years and then get up hope. But at the moment, it's still optimistic. I mean, I thought this episode did flip-flop a bit. I didn't enjoy the Bloody Mary fight. I thought... Yeah, mm-hmm. it just seemed very fiddly. And, you, you, you know, in terms yeah. of fighting off these many incarnations of Bloody Mary, I didn't enjoy her as a character. I didn't find her interesting. I, th- I thought she was very annoying. And then what I did find interesting there was the trial with the crooked man, his arguments, you know, you were selecting you know, arguments against him because he was putting quite a convincing case for, hold on, all right, I didn't order the death. I mean, I didn't, I didn't kill him myself, but and also I give you all hope. I've given you jobs. I've given you mm. hope where people like Snow White and Bigby haven't. I think it was interesting as well that one of his arguments was saying to Snow well are you going to put Big B on trial Mm. for the people he's killed when he's just your employer and you're trying to do something against the employer uh, in this case the the crooked man and it's like yeah yeah, I kind of understand what you're saying there Mm. we're not going down that road but yeah (laughs) you sympathise with him so there's a difference whereas Wolf and Snow and the establishment tried to rule through equality uh, the crook man ruled through tyranny you know what I mean and yeah. there's a difference in the slavery and all of they kind of things mm. you know what I mean and I think that plays into the overall arc as well with the characters you know yeah I mean there is that kind of extended even if you do kill him before you get to a troll there's very much like different members of the fable community putting forward these arguments that Snow and Wolf are like um, doing things in their own interests and can they really trust Big B to protect them when he's got this temper and then obviously they do throw in your face some of the people that you've killed along the way so I think there is an option literally to walk out because mm-hmm. it's quite an extended scene um, but no I think it was interesting to uh, kind of it did get to the heart of that um, duality I guess that existed in their community that made people feel their interests weren't getting represented like so this, this is like the aspect of it that goes all political drama I guess yeah I don't know if it was for you mm-hmm. lot, but for me the camera seemed to linger on that anti-greenleaf quite a bit and it was her choice that sort of um, changed the whole argument that convinced other people because she'd been working for him and then Big Bird offered her the job and then she decided to go against the crooked man and she went with Big B and Snow White and for me the camera seemed to linger on her quite a bit as she made up her mind if you burn the tree it goes really bad if you burnt the tree, I doubt she'll be in love in that moment. You burnt my tree. <laughs> Maui bonsai. I mean, that whole aspect, how you can play the game through, you know, one or two times and see different things. And we've kind of said before how we've praised that aspect in certain regards. But also, I feel it does dilute the experience because I did find my overall enjoyment of this second playthrough slightly less than the first. I still think it's a brilliant game with some of the flaws mm. we've mentioned. But it's almost like... Um, you know, like when George Lucas obviously fiddled with Star Wars and when you got to see the uh, shiny new bits, you might have enjoyed them at the time, I don't know, but you obviously felt like certain bits did not happen that way, like the whole kind of who shot first. In this way, yeah. second playthrough of this game, I felt almost like the same, you know, to a lesser degree. I thought like, no, this didn't really happen. Well, you kept so shooting and killing them. them, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not how I played it the first time, so it's almost like watching a film that you really loved and then they've changed certain scenes and you're like, no, I've... That's not right. <laughs> sure, you know things about this. Is is this the one that you? Is this the only one that you've got to play through that's more than what, once? To that's do what all I was going to say. Is, yes, yep. this is the one where the, this is the first and last 
time they tried that and I think at the end of the day Telltale mm. games always have a kind of it's my journey it's my game so like The Walking Dead you play through it shit happens I don't give a fuck we're going right to the end with my fight save file this forced you to replay scenarios and stuff and it having been the second game with the traps it's the last game they implied this concept because every other game for that it's one playthrough and you're done and I think they learned their lesson with it and I think that's not a thing mm. that Telltale should do because to be in a, like narrative based it needs to tell the tale that you want boom boom mm. and no force you to see all the angles unless you're a super fan unless you're die hard and you want to do the Paragon Renegade scenario thing but realistically most people are only going to play this once soak up what they do and go right I've done my thing I've chose my tale and then that's it you know and I think the, the making you have to go back and redo the stuff breaks the illusion and the kind of yeah. what you guys are saying you're a bit kind of like well I didn't want to do that but it kind of forces you to do that to complete the whole experience you know yeah I think that's a, a really good observation I would agree hey I need to tell you something what is it You're not as bad as everyone says you are. I'll see you around. Okay, so uh, moving on, we'll just go to the uh, player choices uh, for the uh, this final episode. Um, So you get the opportunity to kill Georgie. 68.6% 68.6% of us, uh, which includes Lee, myself and Mark, uh, killed Georgie. Um, and Andy, bless him, left him to suffer, uh, along with 31.4% <laughs> of the community. Uh, well, no, because I, f- I felt like if I was keeping in character, I was a bigger man, and yeah, I'm trying to be a better man. All right, he's going to suffer because it's a stomach wound. But, yeah, you're um, worse than me, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the entire reason why I, I, I killed him, to put him out of his misery. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, same here. Because you leave yeah. him, and that's right, it's almost like a, a, a worse fate. And I, I mean, he was the murderer by proxy, is the whole argument, isn't it? That he was carrying out the crooked man's orders. Um, not that, obviously, that excuses it, but I think that... He he isn't the ultimate bad guy. Or that's like partly what it's trying to suggest. But I, I just thought, no, you're guilty by association. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next decision we had to make uh, was: uh, Did you give the uh, the crooked man a trial? Um, and myself, uh, Andy, and Mark, and eighty nine point six percent of the community uh, brought the crooked man back under Snow's orders. Um, and Lee, uh, along with ten percent, ten point four percent, killed him in the fountain. Only because, again, like Stuart's already alluded to, because this was the second place where I had to do that to get the platinum. If you killed um, the crooked man, um, it's did you walk out of the witching well? Um, and Lee and Mark stayed in there till the end, along with fifty seven point one percent of the community, um, and forty two point nine percent of the community walked out. Um, and again, um, this only applies if you spared the crooked man. Um, and how did you punish him? Um, 47.4% of the community imprisoned the crooked man. Uh, 31.6%, including myself, through uh, uh, sorry, along with Mock um, and Andy, uh, threw him down the well. Um, and 21% of the community ripped his head off. <laughs> Personally, I threw him down because he tries to attack you and take you yeah. hostage almost. Um, and then I think you headbutt him and chuck him down that way. You're holding him over the witching well by then. Yeah, but it's a tradition, uh, isn't it? It's a traditional push- punishment. So for respect tradition, down he goes. Yeah. And then towards the uh, the end of the episode, um, TJ is in the back of the wagon off to the farm um, and he 
presents you with a gift for snow uh, and 98.5% including Lee, myself, Andy and Mark all accepted his gift for snow and 1.5% didn't accept his gift. Atlas bastards here. Why Hello. would you do that? <laughs> I think it's a guilt trip. Yeah, that was, that was, one, of, that was one of the more sort of probably pointless ones. Like that didn't really yeah. need to be a key choice, did it? No, but you argue, is it no a case of is it no a case of because you're sending them to the farm and then you gave him the gift and he gives it to Snow and then Snow reflects upon what her choices have done having been put into power, you know what I mean? And Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so many people are going to accept no. the gift. It's almost pointless having... Like, they might have just scripted it that you take the gift and then... But then some folk are like, well, key maybe you're protecting Snow through the horrors or the oh, poor choices. Okay, okay yeah, because you didn't show the photograph of her getting... Yeah. The prostitute getting... You know, like her and Crane in the prostitute. There was meant to be like a doing the double back dance. Pumped was a was a was a good enough word. But. Uh, then the final decision uh, of this game uh, is your last words to Narissa, um, and fifty four point eight percent, including Andy. Um, I hope I've done something good here. Which I did. 29% of us, um, including um, myself and Mark, um, I've made a lot of mistakes. And 14.3%, um, none of it matters in the end. And one point, which was Kev, I think. Yep, yep. And 1.9% uh, remained silent, which included Lee, um, not saying anything. Yeah, I was still scratching my head, to be honest. It took two playthroughs for me to work out what it was trying to say. <laughs> and it's all about, yeah, the glamours allow them to look like one another. So, you know, it could be that Faith or the person that he met as Faith at the beginning is still alive, ultimately. It could have been a troll. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose it could have been, it could have been Crane. <laughs> Interestingly, there's another decision that you make right at the very, very end, um, which... I, it, doesn't come up on anything on any of the percentages um, but as she's walking off you can either go after her or leave her to walk into the distance um, yeah, yeah uh, whether that'll make any difference if there is another game I don't think it yeah I mean I think I've tried both I don't think it actually brings a different scene no. uh, you no. know I think he just no. obviously apart from him walking or running I don't I think it still fades out and that's that's it so that's the game gentlemen I think we've kind of alluded to some of our, our feelings. Do we want to get some of the... Do we really need to emphasise the technical criticisms anymore? I think we've already covered that. Janky engine is janky. The graphics are good, though. I do have to say the graphics are good. Yeah, the and I love the, yeah. the intros and stuff. Yes, oh, yes. yeah. The intro sequence to each episode Ooh. is... Is it incredible? It's my, it's my favourite intro sequence to, to any of the Telltale games. And I must yeah. admit, this is a game where I didn't skip anything. Like even though the um, the intro, I think there might be a way you can skip the the intro and end credits. I can't remember, but I didn't skip any of them. Like I still watched no. every single frame of it, whether it was juddering or whatever, just because I loved that soundtrack and the art style. Yeah. Um. I just I think that really is what I take away. It's like that the kind of aesthetic mood of it, and the fact that it is like this noirish crime story with this bizarre cast of characters, and it's just got oh, it's one of my favourite kind of soundtracks, and just the way that it all kind of comes together. You know, like Mark was saying, it's such a superb intro. Like, I mean, like, I think it probably is my favourite Telltale game, although I haven't played some of the others, like Tales from the Borderlands, which I which I hear is another very you know people. I know that Wolf and 
Tales from Borderlands might be the lesser played games, but they seem to be the ones that have the more uh, very outspoken fans of those particular games. Yeah, I mean, for me, this was the first Telltale game that I've played from start to end. Um, I've got a couple of those. I've got the first series of Walking Dead um, and I've got the Game of Thrones one, uh, which I think I'm more inclined to go and play now. Um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game and the art style of it's really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I've played um, Game of Thrones as well. I, I got this off the back of uh, picking up uh, Season 1 of Game of Thrones when it was on sale, and I played through all of that. It's very good, uh, especially if you're a fan of, of, of the books and the TV show. Um, it's not as subtle um, as The Wolf Among Us is. The storytelling, I think, in The Wolf Among Us is 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 top notch and do we think that um this is a game that regardless of obviously the business model of distribution that telltale have is it a case of you know you need to wait till all the episodes are out and kind of play them in quick succession because otherwise those kind of gaps in the episodic nature kind of break the illusion as well like Stuart was saying about the two that's how i play them yeah uh, that's, mm. that's how i play through yeah, all the telltale yeah. games now if i have a choice like so with the I'm, I'm interested to play the new batman one but i won't play it until all the episodes are out i played through the first season of the walking dead as it was released and got fed up of having to wait you know a, a two three months between episodes sometimes because it takes them a while sometimes to get the episodes out and so having them all available to play and be able to play through at the, the pace I want, you know, yeah. that's yeah. far more I think, I think the thing is with the Wolf Among Us as well is that you've got a lot to remember um, in terms of the investigation and what you're doing and, you know, yeah. depending on the, the style that you want to play, um, you, you've got a lot to remember. And if you do do it as the episodes come out, you'll probably forget. I know I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you'd have to almost like replay the... the um, preceding episode and then you're obviously messing up your your choices as you go so um one thing i would say i think it might have been Stuart that alluded to it is that i very much do agree that it's like a gateway to that wider universe um so you're making the jump from the game to its inspiration in terms of the comics now i haven't read very far into the comics but i wouldn't have picked up any of them you know unless i'd played this game so i think it really does work um as a gateway into you know becoming like a reader of um you know the fable uh, comic books. Did anyone else had had anyone read the comics first? No, I didn't no, even know no they existed as comics until uh, I knew all of them. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd heard from friends who read comic books. I'd, I'd heard about them for years, but I didn't actually get around to read them until I played through the Wolf Among Us. Yeah, I mean, I, so, yeah, I think same, that yeah. does commend it then as a prequel in a different media that works, like to get you into the, the, the main kind of series, I guess. And Stuart, did, didn't you say that actually after this game had came out, they had they had released a comic book series based yeah. on The Wolf Among Us that actually does flesh out yeah, the characters. Um, so do we get any more about Faith or Nerissa in Yeah, that? it's um, they released a prequel 16-issue backstory, basically, that follows the curve of the game, but it does flash out. I'm not going to waste it, because people want to read it, maybe. But it does f- yeah, flash, no, flash yeah. out. Yeah, it flashes them out as well. It flashes them out <laughs> um, in pretty good ways. Um, at the moment, there are... Well, you can either track down single issues, um, which will probably cost you a small arm and a leg, or you can buy the two trades. It's broke up into trade 1 to 6, uh, episodes, sorry, uh, issues 1 to 6, and then six, uh, 7 to 12. Uh, 16, sorry. Um... That makes no sense because it's one eight and <laughs> nine eight sixteen. But you know, what I mean? um, and you can get them for as what was 
11 pound 10 pound depending on where you shop forbidden planet have them in stock amazon's got it in stock um i definitely say it's worth a read if nothing else just to scratch that itch to see how the storytellers of the comic would have handled the tale and which is told within the actual game which is the interesting part and then obviously that means that is now seen as canon in the actual universe I believe I'm not I'm going to say 100% but I think it is seen as canon and I guess would we all recommend this to laps games or you know people who are more up to date with their game plan I mean I think I probably would even though we've highlighted some flaws it's been overwhelmingly positive otherwise and it kind of ultimately telltale games are easy aren't they mm. you know like you, mm. yeah. it's not they're not challenging it's less a game as it is the, like I was saying it's less yes. a game as, as a narrative yeah. telling or something you know what I mean so, yeah there's no real like uh, fail states or anything no, like it's, that it's, yeah. it's definitely a case of I don't know, I'd argue maybe the iPad or phone versions or maybe something to invest in if you're, you're wanting to dabble because I'm sure you get the first episode free on them because you get the first episode free on everything um, to kind of maybe give a wee taste to, to wet your whistle and if you like it, then go for it. Um, I definitely think this is one of the best ones to try because obviously it leaves you on a cliffhanger so it's kind of like, oh! And then you kind of like, it, it impulses you to find out more but um yeah. And then you scratch your head and go, I'm not sure that actually makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, anyway, I enjoyed it for the experience. I think it's a tale um, for layers. I think it's Telltale's best what I've played so far. I think it's centred and hung on to a simple plot that is quite um, commonplace. And I think that's the problem I have with it. I also felt some of the character inconsistencies where you go, go flip flop quite a bit, which annoyed me. So you got Snow, who you try to form a good relationship, and you get this good relationship with, and then you ch- you make a choice to have a good relationship with her, and she flips because um, Telltale have got this story to follow, the plot to follow. So even though you're trying to be this good character, um, and certain choices, it comes out either Snow reacts badly to it, or you react angry to it. I think there was one where. I just made a choice which which seemed the best choice, really calm, and he, he ended up swearing and becoming really, really pissed off with it when he had no real reason to it. So, you know, Stuart's mentioned that this was the only time they made this sort of, we have to replay it. And I did think they were trying to have the cake and eat it with this, with this tale. You know, yeah. for me, I'm going to say the best, probably one of the best Telltale Games is still Back to the Future. I think I enjoyed that more, even though I think the late, the story depth is better in The Wolf. Yeah, I've not played the uh, the Back to the Future one, and I'm quite a big Back to the Future fan, so I might have to pick that I up. I think the ones, but the thing is, they were the experimental ones, so like Back mm. to the Future, Jurassic Park and stuff, they were all a bit jankier than what we are the new. Mm. Yeah, then they're not very <laughs> well regarded. It, it was The Walking Dead where they broke out and became you know the studio that they are now i mean for me personally for the for the laps games that are listening um if you've managed to pick this up on a games with gold uh deal uh, and it was free and it's just sat there absolutely fire it up and give it a go uh, if you're after something that's a little bit more uh mature um as opposed to some of the games out there that have probably gone a little bit pg or just something a little bit different mm. I'd, I'd absolutely pick it up and give it a go um, and, and just see what you think. And if you if your missus is there and she's kind of interested in some of the games you play, um, you can sit and go through it together and make some of the decisions between you if you're quick enough to do that in some of the situations. Um, and it, it's it's a really good game for that kind of thing. I played it in a week, so it can't be that demanding. 
Oh, it's just binge it. Like, I just <laughs> yeah. treat it as like a TV show. An episode and it's about an hour and yeah, a half max. Exactly. Yeah. So you spend yeah. more than that watching Orange is the New Black or House of Cards or Game of Thrones or Last Ship or whatever, Zero mm. the Strain or whatever um, you watch. And it's, yeah, well, it's not yet. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a half hour, no, no. Um, uh, but any of these kind of things, you know, if you're going to do that, just visualise it as a story. You're, 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 you're there to enjoy experience you're not there to play you're there to experience and you get some very mm. very easy achievement points and uh, trophies <laughs> for it as well well i think my if only platinums to the whole two of them are from the walking dead in this <laughs> yeah if you want to rank up quickly then by the time you've completed it i think you're at about eight or nine hundred gamer points uh on the xbox um, and then you've just got to do it through again to get the last uh technically you don't because thing. technically you mm. can just rewind the chapters you need to go to so the fiat, yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh yes, which is a great feature. If uh, by a long shot we do get a second season of The Wolf Among Us, if you've got two game, you know, two playthroughs of this game, how is that going to affect your save files that get pulled through to the season two? Well, if you do the rewind, mm. um, no, actually, you've got more save spaces, There's so three, actually, you can always, yeah, yeah I think there might even be more, but ultimately, you can always protect your original playthrough. So if you do do a trophy, um what you call it, like a mop-up of trophies, you can use another save file. It copies basically your first save file into another one. You rewind the set chapter you've got to replay, get the trophy, and then you're just forever deleting your recording over the top of the second save. So oh, you're okay. never, you're not tampering with the first save oh, at okay. all. Unlike most games as well, if they, most games, when they try and make you play through it again, they make you play through the whole game. This yeah. at least just says, look, you only got, have to rewind that bit of that chapter. You don't have to do yeah. the whole yeah. thing again. Yeah, that's good. I think that keeps intact the mm. illusion in your mind. No, having yes. to redo all the bits. You just redo the chapter no the chapter we say the chapter yeah, we don't mean the it. chapter as in the episode we mean the sub-chapter within the episode yeah that's it you got Aye, and it's a case of you yeah. play the scene you get to the bit you do the bit you get the bit and then you switch it off and you alright move on you don't actually mm. try and engross the content that it's given you it's just mm. mechanical emotionless moving through it that's it you're just getting your fables mm. aren't you and then that's it nothing to mm. see here move on I've got one criticism that I alluded to earlier that I, I want to mention. Uh, something that wasn't that, that you had the option of turning off in The Walking Dead, but is apparently not an option from every game on from that point, from the first season of Walking Dead onwards. When you make a choice uh, that has that will may have some implication in the future, and you get a little message in the corner that says "so and so will remember that." That really annoys me. Um, I hated it when it was uh, in the first season of The Walking Dead, but at least you could turn it off in that. But not even having the option... To, I don't know why they removed the option to turn it off. It's just I, I, I don't want to be told that the choice I've just made may have some implications in the future. If it does, then I'll find out. Don't don't tell me that. I, I don't know why, but that really, really annoyed me. Yeah, I'm not... There are there are some settings on the Vita version, because like in the Vita version, I can't remember, because it's obviously been a while since I played it on PS3, but on the Vita version, they've got like this frame over the screen, which is almost like a comic book panel. It's very subtle, and I didn't bother trying to turn it off, because I actually thought it was quite atmospheric, but I don't remember it being on the PS3, so I don't know whether, because I didn't really explore the menu system that, to that degree, but then might possibly they implemented that on the Vita version because mm. I think that's the latest release no, it was of the PS4 game. PS4 and Xbox One. Oh, of the latest. course, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. 
Okay, so we've had some community feedback on The Wolf Among Us for people, the listeners that were playing along with us. So first up, we had Howard, who's at Welsh Benno, and he's put, in my opinion, it's the best of the Telltale games. Great story, awesome characters, beautiful art style, and a fantastic soundtrack. Uh, so Nick Jones at Laneit360 said, Loved the game, loved reading the adversary war issues of the comic. Uh, Peter and Max uh, by Bill Willingham is a great book. How awesome would it be for him to do the episodes? Uh, so where do we sign the petition to ask Bill Willingham to be a guest on the Laps Gamer Radio podcast to discuss fables and all among us? Yes, please. <laughs> if he's willing to do it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. the next Ballyhoo episode. Yeah. I'll have to reach what out a to fantastic him. interview subject he would be. <laughs> uh, Colin Sheridan uh, at Solemn67, who's been a guest on the on the show. I said it's a very enjoyable game I love the Fable characters thank you for that community feedback we really appreciate it it's great to know that you're playing along with us um, our next playlist game which I believe we're going to be playing in August to record in early September is the Sonic Trilogy <laughs> this is uh, Adam's uh, request and this is the Sega Mega Drive Genesis versions of the game I mean I know they're on loads of different platforms I'm currently playing them on the you know the 3ds 3d series um but if you're interested in playing sonic the hedgehog from 91 sonic the hedgehog 2 from 92 and then one of the sonic the hedgehog 3s i know there's like three different versions because originally sonic the hedgehog 3 and sonic and knuckles were meant to be one game but they released them as two separate cartridges because of the limitation of storage in those days but they make one game but they make one game yeah because I think there was even an adapter you could plug them into each Aye, other the complete, to, to get the complete experience you need to put three and knuckles together to get the whole game it was kind of like a DLC or a episodic game if you would <laughs> what <do I> <laughs> um, and you have you, you get Sonic free one year and then the next year you get Sonic and Knuckles at £50 a pop so it was a £100 game and you, once you plugged them into each other the true scenario was revealed right okay well as I say that's what we're going to be playing those of us that avoid smashing whatever controller we're using and get to the end of these incredibly frustrating games as much as I've got um, nostalgic fondness for the series so the laps game radio contact details that you need to know are that you can stream or directly download our episodes as mp3s via our podbean homepage at lapsgameradio.podbean.com you can also find the full show notes for each of our episodes at our blog at lapsgamer.com and check out our occasional video content at our lapsgamer youtube channel and that's the same you know handle lapsgamer for our sporadic twitch streams too if you're enjoying our content, please subscribe to Laps Gamer Radio on iTunes. All reviews are most welcome and appreciated in order to allow our little community to thrive. We'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast or any ideas you might have. And we welcome any questions you'd like to discuss with us. And you know, we can talk about them on the show. Plus, if you want to be a guest on a specific episode or even join the regular Laps Gamer Radio podcast team, you can email us. You can also chat with us on Twitter at LapsGamer and like and comment on our LapsGamer Radio page on Facebook. We've also got a group on there if you search for LapsGamer Radio and we sometimes give away extra game codes on there and you can add yourself to our Steam community group which is called LapsGamer as well. A big thank you for listening and best of luck with your own efforts to pick up the controller and play. Gentlemen, do you want to say your goodbyes? Catch you. LapsGamer Radio will remember that.
do you know that he used to dip his uh, he used to dip coke on his helmet to uh, <laughs> to extend his uh, performance because he, he was a, he was famous for having premature ejaculation. That's the intro. <laughs> That's the intro. <laughs> <laughs> See the wee bit with the music. That's that. Wow. <laughs> oh fuck.